Lee, the man of the hour, the king of the ring, intelligence and power, the best versus the greatest, he'll make you famous, one spirit bomb and your whole life changes, bask in my glory, you are... This is British Wrestling Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And today we're joined by a very special guest, our good friend Martin Bushby. Uh, Martin, Worlds are colliding. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for um, inviting me on. Really um, excited to do this. Great. Good to have you. I'm used to uh, you being in the, the main host chair on British Audio Wrestling, so it's my turn now to ask you the, the, the hard questions. Uh, what, what have you been up to in the time that we've had a bit of downtime with uh, with British Audio Wrestling, with obviously with the, the news of uh, the law being on hiatus and, and all that stuff that I mentioned on, on last month's podcast? I'm just trying to keep up on the ever-changing world of uh, British wrestling and uh, working a load of hours at my job, sadly. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> just gearing up for uh, for December to kick in and a lot of Christmas parties to be attended. Good stuff. How about you, Joe and JP? How have you been? All right, knackered, as usual. Nothing changes in this world. Yeah, I have to say, my body clock is all over the place between the Rugby League World Cup wrestling mm. last weekend and now the Ashes. I'm going to be a shambles for a lot of December. <laughs> it's a lot, of, lot to keep up with. You're a big rugby fan as well, aren't you, Martin? I am indeed, yeah. And um, they, I think the semi-final this weekend for England starts at like 4:30 in the morning as well. So that's another uh, early one. It's a shame that all this stuff's taking place in Australia, I guess, isn't it, JP? It's it's not on. I'm not happy about it. Mate. What do we do, Martin? Do we do we try and stay up and go through it old school, or do we get up at a ridiculous time? Nah, mate, that's what uh, Sky Plus is for. You just uh, record it and then, uh, you know, try and avoid spoilers and then watch it in the afternoon. That's what I do anyway. (laughs) Oh, I haven't got it. Great couple of hobbies of wrestling and rugby. That'll just two things that will just mess your body clog up. I mean, just staying up for like uh, the likes (laughs) of Survivor Series at the weekend. I I noticed on Twitter, I saw some Americans moaning about the start time and about it being six hours. And it was like, come on, man, I'm going to be up till five in the morning here watching the wrestling. They don't realize how dedicated we are as Brits to to our sport. You're going to work next day as well, Beto. I got the morning off in the end, so it wasn't too bad, but I was still a bit knackered when I went in. But it's just uh, part of the course for us, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed right so uh, let's get going then on uh, on what we've been watching which is how we like to open our show every time uh there's a few shows we've been to uh, in the time since we last recorded jp particularly you managed to get to eve in the beginnings of the uh, uh, she won tournament uh we there it was just the one night was it it was okay so they had four shows over two days on the saturday and on the sunday and i got to the finale the show four on sunday night um, which was the final, and it was probably, by all accounts, I'm not saying it, it was it was the weakest in the sense, but that was kind of obvious because you've had a lot of the singles matches, a lot of the the other matches on the card were were tags to kind of um, set up um, angles that they've been working out throughout the show. Um, but on the whole, uh, really good, really good fun. Um, and a certainly a star is born, or the ace is born in Charlie Morgan. Um, so yeah, it was a really, it was it was an interesting experiment, but it appears to have paid off because by all accounts they sold out all of the four shows over the weekend. Um, it was an insane atmosphere. For those of you who haven't been to the Resistance Gallery, you've got to stand up for the entire show. So there were people who were who had done four shows over two days, stood for 
at least three hours for each of the each of the times. So it was it was absolutely it was heaving in there as well. But overall, really good. And there was a, a big announcement for the York Hall show where um, Viper would be facing Aja Kong, um, which uh, the crowd were completely buzzing about there. Um, in terms of notable stuff from the, the show, the from what I saw um, on that one show, uh, really, I mean, in a sense, Charlie Morgan, Sammy Jane uh, is really where the, the feud appears to be going forward. Um, and... By winning the she one, she's going to be in the York Hall main event. So it's going to be interesting to see what and what direction it goes in. Um, but there was loads of great stars over the weekend as well. So they had uh, Kaylee Ray, Session Moth, Ginny, Emi Sakura, Maiko uh, Satomura, who was in the finals. Great. Um, apparently, her and Emi Sakura had a fantastic match the night before. Um, so really, really good. I know not everyone on the podcast, the biggest fan of Eve, um, but it was, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and I brought along a couple of friends, one of them we'd never been to an indie show before. And so he absolutely loved it. And another friend, another friend of ours who'd never been to a wrestling show before. And she absolutely loved it as well. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're likely to be going back in January. Uh, Martin, you caught some of the this weekend, didn't you, on VOD? Eve uncategoristically managed to take a break from uh, the owners tweeting weird sexual tweets at each other on Twitter to actually <laughs> get the uh, the VOD up on time for one time for a weekend what? of shows. What's this? Oh, you're lucky, Joe. I haven't uh, sent you the screenshots, Martin. You've unfortunately seen them. Indeed. <laughs> it's, I, I will show him from here just to see what his reaction is on this one. But yeah. Hold on. Don't they live in the same house? They do. Why are they tweeting that sort of stuff to each other? Like they just were. Um, as a wind-up. Kind of. Slightly, all slightly odd stuff. But yeah, sorry, Martin. You were going to tell us about the um, the first two shows that you saw. Uh, yeah, like uh, Ben, I noted there. I managed to catch these on the uh, EVOD, and um, yeah, I mean, I ain't really watched an Eve show since um, a show ages ago that was headlined by Nikki Storm and Rhea O'Reilly. And um, I thought the big standout from uh, the second night of the She One was a match between Charlie Morgan and Kaylee Ray. I mean, they brawled all over the Resistance <laughs> Gallery, diving off everything available. And a uh, big fan of Charlie Morgan. I saw her a few times when she was Penelope and working mainly for uh, WAW and the Knight family. And it's uh, really great to see her getting more and more opportunities. And. Uh, yeah, I'd say they're two of the best female wrestlers in the country currently, Charlie Morgan and Kayleigh Ray. So um, great seeing them have a, a fantastic match on uh, night two of the show. I think uh, all four nights are up on the uh, VOD service now, but I only managed to catch the first two. And yeah, that was the standout for me on that one. Well, I was going to say, do you think that they're going to have, because Charlie Morgan made uh, debut at the cockpit, what was it, one month the or the, I'm trying to think when it was, there was um, that she had made her debut, and whether or not it would be her and Kaylee Ray for the um, two-day cockpit shows in early January for the women's tournament. And wondering no, well, whether not or not they've not announced it just yet, have they? I mean, the Red Pro have been announcing yeah. a load of talent for that show, and um, yeah, I'd be a bit surprised if uh, they don't announce her for it. And she also made a progress debut as well, didn't she? So uh, yeah, certainly good to see her getting yeah. in the. Uh, you know, bigger promotions in British wrestling. Have Red Pro not announced the full lineup for that tournament? I thought they had. 
Um, I think that um, I now they just keep announcing names every day. I think. Okay, I'm sure I saw that they announced the. Oh, I might be completely wrong. I'm not sure, but I thought I saw that they announced it because it's eight, right? Oh, is it only eight? I know they announced Charlie Evans today. Was that the final one? Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, she. I oh, know she's entrance seven. So they've got one more to announce. Oh, so it could be. Okay. I don't think Kayla Ray's in it either. What, what do you make of the... Uh, there seems to be a bit of a beef. I mean, we're talking about Twitter. Uh, Andy Q, who's usually uh, quite polite on Twitter in a Q&A, was asked about Eve running your call, and he wasn't particularly complimentary about the fact that they'd not got in touch with him first and, and asked about using the, the venue, or at least informed them that they were they were going to be running the venue. What do you make of that stuff in, in 2017? Is, is, is he in the right? Is there still a place for that? Well, I think, um, uh, yeah, I sort of get where he's coming from, but at the same time, yeah, you could argue it's a bit ridiculous as well. I suppose it's like an old law, isn't it, of uh, wrestling in a way. If you run running someone's building, even though they have ownership of the building, it's like the honourable thing to do is to ask for the rest of it. And in a way, I suppose Quilded is kind of, you know, he's kind of been around the British scene since, what, early, mid-2000s? So I suppose, you know, his mindset might be a little bit different to some of the other guys. But then again, I remember hearing about um, Briley contacting Mark Dallas to have a bit of a word about um, ICW running in Islington. At the garage, yeah. Yeah. So, you know... Some of the more modern, um, not to say Rev Pro is a modern promotion, but some of the newer figures to the British wrestling scene, I suppose, have got track record for similar as well. Um, and Dad Reed's been around for a very long time. Yeah, I'll be honest, I think there might be some bad blood between Quilden and Eve as well, because he used to work with Eve, didn't he? And I know he used to announce the shows, I don't know if he used to book the shows, but I know he used to be on the shows. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if it, there's, uh, you know, something else to it as well, potentially, that we maybe don't know about. That wound him up the wrong way. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not it's really. Different. Sorry. It's difficult, isn't it? It's a very old school British wrestling problem. I know. Yeah. I think when Progress started to run Manchester, I know PCW weren't particularly happy about that. I heard that through the the rumor grapevine, and I know mm. even you know promotion I go near and dear to my heart, GPW and Wigan have had various run-ins. You know, over Wigan of all places, the fighting over patches of land, <laughs> and there's a, there was supposed to be another promotion. I think they were called This Is Wrestling. They were going to be running Lee, which was I think it's ten minutes uh, up the road, featuring a lot of GPW's own wrestling the night after a GPW show and it's kind of like well maybe that's that's a bit much but I think a lot of it's the reputational risk isn't it I think promoters will look at it and say well if you run my, what I consider my building and put on a bad show or piss the owners of the building off mm. and, and they, they go off promoting wrestling I suppose that's got to play into it as well hasn't it well it does and I was just thinking as well it's, it's also it's one of the fundamental problems that, that we have throughout the country that because we don't have many of these kind of arenas of the 500 to 2000 seat variety. Um, and obviously we're using, you know, clubs and whatnot, um, in order to do that. It, it kind of does, we do have rather more limited options than say the States. Obviously there's ge- massive geographic reasons for that. But we do have a general lack of those kind of buildings, which means that there are, there is going to be some buildings that are used by, by other companies and it, it's kind of possible to happen the fact that Eva based at the resistance gallery which is pretty much across the road from the york hall but then again i can see probably andy q's point in the sense that he's built up the york hall as a wrestling venue 
Um, well, it's been used as a wrestling venue for years, you know. Um, yeah, but within modern terms. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I suppose they started, they went back there, didn't they, mm. after years of it not being used as a wrestling venue. It's a, it's a difficult one because we've kind of, we were talking about it last, last time on, on the show, we were talking about inside the terms, and then we've kind of hit this point where there is this kind of real clash of the old school and what would be considered to be, frankly, rather more sort of modern, possibly a dangerous phrase to say, but more capitalist techniques of we run the venue because we have paid for it and if somebody else doesn't like it, then that's their issue. And, and showing respect for the business and things like that. And it, it kind of feels like it's a remnant from the sort of territorial past, but that kind of still exists today. We we do have regional promotions within the UK. Well, was one, I, I remember hearing a rumour, I don't know how true this is, that ICW tried to run at the ballroom and were just completely locked out and basically told where to go. I don't, I don't know how mm. true that is, but I remember hearing that a couple of years ago. So it wouldn't surprise me when we talk about ICW. They, they do like to kind of uh, jump on the bandwagon of, of, of what other companies have done in the past. So but I'll save that for a little bit. Controversial. <laughs> I mean, that's a good a segue as any. I mean, talking about old school wrestling tactics moving into 2017 on yes. Sunday, both uh, Attack and ICW were streaming their events to a point on, on Facebook. Um, Attack were streaming their, is it Survivor Seriously, is that how you pronounce it? This time, it really isn't a pay-per-view tie-in event. Uh, they usually yes. run these out of a, a walkabout, don't they? Uh, this was in the, yes. their smaller venue um, at the, the Youth and Community Centre they use. Um, yep. Yeah, so they were streaming, and they actually streamed their entire show for free on Facebook. ICW, on the other hand, had obviously their big Fear and Loathing show, mm-hmm. and they were streaming the odd match from it. But JP, you were online at the same time as me, and yeah. we both were, were watching that attack match and it, attack show. Sorry, and it, it turned out that Attack had a quite a better stream from the little community center than than ICW did from the big arena, didn't they? Yeah, and I've seen the ICW show on on VOD, and, and obviously there, there are things that they've managed to iron out. But that was incredible. You've got one company running the hydro, the other one's running a community centre in is it Cates? Is that how you say it? I'm butchering the name. Um, for the the community centre, but they've but the stream was was superb. I mean, there were mm. some niggling issues, but to be honest with you, nothing that was particularly noticeable. And the fact it was free meant you're going to give them a bit more leeway if there are issues. You think, well, actually, they're giving me an entire card for nothing. And it was thoroughly enjoyable. Certainly much better than the Survivor Series show on later on that night. And I'd also say that much, much better than the ICW show. Um, What did you make of the show, Bernard? I I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought uh, the obvious standout match, Mark Davis and Eddie Dennis had a really great little match. That was pretty much the point where where I tuned in. Um, They ran a a big angle as well, didn't they, with uh, with Shea Purser and uh, Chris Roberts setting up a a huge match, a huge grudge match between them two. Uh, I believe it's going to take place over the Christmas period. Yes, Um, it is. I think I I talked to a really good job, don't they, of... of, of bringing non-wrestlers in you know they had a, a fan as a champion um they built a long story around the ring announcer last year um it's the type of thing that not every promotion would get away with but also Shea Pearson and to a extent Chris Roberts especially Shea Pearson though is just an excellent performer um and I'm almost as excited to see them two um have a match as I am you know anything else they might build with with more uh, pure wrestlers I don't know what you made of it watching it live JP 
I I thought it was great. Um, although it's odd seeing Shea Purse with facial hair. I think that's I think that needs mm. to go. He needs to sort that out. The baby face is is what he needs. Um, in in terms of in terms of the show, I have to agree with you with Eddie Dennis and Mark Davis. We also had um, a a new faction that was that mm. was created with what was it Drew Parker, Elijah, and I can't think of the name. One of the guys from the Thursday Night Throws. One of the um, be one of the Dragon Tro Dragon Pro trainees. Can't remember his name at the minute. Um, so that that was noticeable as well. Um, and Travis Banks quite incredible did you manage to see the main event with um where he came out is it sexy trav yeah well the thing for me is i mean this is the travis banks who when he first came over to the country he came over in this green vest um playing like this party character i think it, it was pcw and i think G, he did a gpw show or two mainly up in the north so most people wouldn't have seen it but you wouldn't believe it compared to the very serious stone-faced pure wrestler travis banks that we we all know and love now but it's a perfect gimmick i mean coming off the the feud with the anti-fun police for him to come out as the man who now loves fun uh coming out dancing on his entrance there's gifts all over twitter you can check out doing i think the gimmick is is the anti anti fun police is that's that what right. he's doing jp yeah yeah mm. that's the one mm. um indeed so i think i think that's a, a really again another good feud for uh for attack to to build around with chief deputy don taking on on travis banks and it gives i mean i think the thing is maybe part of doing the these kind of podcasts as you see these wrestlers a lot on different shows so i kind of welcome the fact that we're going to see a, a very different travis banks in attack going forward than than what we'll see elsewhere it is, and we're going to talk, probably talk about the complete dichotomy between the two, between this Travis Banks and the Travis Banks you'd see in, in progress at the minute and the way that he's being nicely built up as, as, as their champion, as the fighting champion. Um, mm. and, I, and I do like that. I like the fact that uh, um, Damien Dunn has, uh, has, a, has a good prominent role here. I think that works works really, really well for him. And, you know, he, and I have to say as well, credit to the company, for giving this a go. I mean, I don't see, I'm hoping that this becomes a thing that a lot more companies go, actually, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to, we're going to put this show out there. And it doesn't, I mean, I'd be interested if they did it with any of the Thursday night throws shows, which are a lot of the graduates and the trainees, but perhaps if they get a chance soon, obviously there is going to be a cost value in it. But in terms of, and I'm thinking of someone who's, I've only been to the one attack show. It is the kind of thing that makes me want to go again. That, that you you see what they're doing, you see the fact that they're that they're trying this. There's a lot of goodwill behind them um, as well. The fact that they can change venues at last minute and still manage to get a venue and a sellout crowd. I mean, it's, it's they really are. I mean, are they going to become sort of the next Fight Club Pro in terms of a breakout promotion over this next year that are going to be you know sort of running bigger venues? I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to be the case. I think there's always a ceiling, isn't there? I think one thing I would say is just watching the stream live on Facebook. They were doing, when I was watching, probably because their stream was working, they were doing in the region of 200 or so uh, people viewing, and they were doing one or two people more than the ICW stream. So yes. that's a bit of a win there, but it's still not huge numbers, is it? I, don't, I mean, yeah. Martin, are you particularly positive on the, the future of Attack? Is it a promotion that you've, uh, you'd be interested in going to, to check out live if maybe they came a bit further up north? I'd absolutely love to check them out live. I've uh, watched a lot of this stuff on uh, VOD um, dating back 
back to last couple of years. But um, I think in terms of them growing and getting bigger, obviously you want the guys to be earning more money and everything. But I think it lose some of their charm. You know, they're running these sort of small venues mm. and doing their own thing. And, you know, everyone sort of described them as the British version of, a you know, DDT from Japan, you know, sort of thing. They do uh, a lot of like wacky characters mm. and gimmicks. And I think um, if you made it bigger than what it is currently, then it'd lose some of its charm, wouldn't it? Mm, absolutely yeah i think that it's a big part of what it is it's like uh, again chikara is the other thing that people always compare them with um there's just something about a company like that running a small building where everybody's in on the joke as well i think that's another thing that does the the comedy translate to a, a bigger arena and to bigger fans i mean you want them to to do as well as possible but again yeah selfishly you kind of want them to keep doing what they're doing don't you uh, JP, we talked about it there as well, and just briefly, as uh, the rest of us haven't had the chance to, to catch the show yet, uh, I think, Martin, you've seen some of it. Uh, we mentioned ICW uh, had their big Hydro show. Um, they were relatively quick about getting it out on the VOD. Like I mentioned, the Facebook stream that I was trying to watch a bit of it on wasn't doing particularly well. Maybe that'll give you a, a clue as to, to why they didn't uh, stream it live. But for those of us that haven't seen it yet, JP, is, is this a, a show we should be checking out? I mean, ICW, uh, I believe the attendance was a bit down on last year. I think Meltzer reported yeah. was 4,500 today in the Observer, uh, which is down from last year, um, but still a, a really uh, impressive number. Mm-hmm. Um, should we we be going out our way to check out this show uh, if, if i mean icw sometimes it, again it's another product that benefits from the the live environment how did it translate on vod it was awful <laughs> don't watch it um in, in summary honestly well fair enough there are yeah it's 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 funny i've been i've reading a, a couple of of reviews about it as well that kind of been quite handy at, at kind of almost in a sense people have articulated better how I feel about it. It's, it's something I've tried to get into mm. at various times. And we kind of have to, because we, you know, we do the show and we, and obviously we want to, to cover the, the breadth and range of, of British promotions, but the wrestling on this was bloody awful. Um, it, it, it really like the, the, the best matches were fine. And that would have been, um, you know, the death match was the one that, that really stood out. I think you saw that, didn't you, Martin, as well? And that was the one that, yeah. that really stood out. But, like, for those of us, and we spoke about Bram, I think, a couple of shows ago, you know, they're pushing Bram on based on the notoriety that is out there um, about him and about um, the the charges that he's had before. They're, they're playing into that. Um, there's endless bloody run-ins and... Honestly, like the, when I was watching it at times, the phrase that came to mind was "clusterfuck." It really is because it was it was somewhat shambolic. Or a cluster of fucks. Look at the lineup of that match, Brams. Oh, well, I love Jody Fleisch. Um, yeah, best of a bad bunch. Uh, Joe Hendry's okay. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. It's just a, a promotion that's stuck in a permanent time loop. I don't know. I'll get some grief for this, but I'm beyond caring to be truthful with you. You know, it's it's like. It's like they've gone, yeah, we really love ECW and we really love Attitude here at WWE and we are sticking religiously to that. And it's it's really tiresome because if there were some great matches on the card, I'd be fine with it. But um, I really am not. Um, 
it, it's it's the kind of stuff where you're thinking. I mean, I, I, Kevin Nash was excited the fact he could swear. That was one of <laughs> like when that's one of the notable highlights. You got to worry. There was a lovely little skit before. Looks um, good for a man of his age, does Kevin Nash? Look mate, he couldn't even get him up for a powerbomb when he attacked Yestin Reese. No, no, he did. He was a couple of like his, his elbows in the corner, and that was it. His his glass legs couldn't handle doing a powerbomb on it on it's anyone. Glasses are ready as every night. It is. It's <laughs> it's just you know the you thinking about the 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 people that they're bringing in. These aren't like kind of what we would expect now from a lot of British indies, where you get sort of good um, American indie guys, primarily or Japanese guys, to come in and have these great matches and sort of wow the crowd. It's Rob Van Dam, who I liked 20 years ago. And I do mean kind of literally 20 years ago at this point. And Kevin Nash. Well, the match, I haven't seen the show, but I was looking at the lineup. I was like, why is RVD at this random three-way? Like, I'm assuming he's not made any other appearances in ICW. So why has he turned up and just been put into a triple threat match? Like, what, 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 why has that been booked? Like, what was the reason for it? Oh, there was a, there was a few going on between Lionheart and Zach Gibson. So uh, naturally, you just put Rob Van Dam into that. As you, as you do. Um, so it was like, oh, okay. And I have to say, I'm, I'm not that impressed with Lionheart. It sounds a bit harsh. I was I was disappointed by the women's match because I like all, all three of the women who are in there in terms of Kaylee Ray, Viper, and Casey Owens. But <sighs> they, you know, had some interference because, hey, why not? Um, and, yeah, when, when the death match is the best match on the show, I think that's a bit of a red flag for those of us who kind of like wrestling. Whereas, you know, if you're at home thinking, you know, watching ECW on the WWE Network and listening to uh, Natural Born Killers, you probably think it's the great show of all time. But I have to say, I was really unimpressed. Really unimpressed. I mean, coming... Yeah, coming from it from another side. I mean, I was a fan of ICW back in uh, 2014, leading on to 2015. Right. And I mean, the lead up to the first arena show at the SECC, you know, with Grado chasing yes. Drew Galloway for the title. I mean, that was cracking and a really that fun was, show. Yeah. And it just seemed, yeah, it just seems then the company have really like dropped off a cliff, in my opinion. Anyway, I mean, it, mm. it used to really work with you know just their own guys, and they got import now and again, and it just seems like they've gone import crazy. I mean, the storylines are all regurgitated things that you've seen before, and I mean, I really tried hard to uh, get into it this year, but outside of the Square Go show at the, uh, I think it was in February or March at the start of the year, everything else has just been. Uh, like pretty poor and you know and like you've just noted there this was no exception i mean some of, uh, some of the highlights obviously seeing jody flash do a, a crazy moonsault in 2017 was uh still pretty good to see and um, like you know their hard hardcore four-way was good and um, i enjoyed parts of the main event i just thought it went on way too long and um yeah. i'm kind of glad to see bt gun pick up the heavyweight title because he's one of the uh you know, the few good things about ICW. Um, one of the major disappointments for me, though, was uh, Kenny Williams and Rey Mysterio. I mean, Kenny's yeah. uh, pretty good, and I was hoping we were going to get the Rey we got at uh, Red Pro and What Culture earlier this year, you know, the guy who was turning back the clock 15 years. But, yeah, that was another um, huge misfire for them there. And, um, yeah, and just to note on Kevin Nash, I mean, they must really be regretting bringing him over because... <laughs> Big Sexy ain't getting off his couch or anything less than, like, a first-class airfare, four-star hotel, and then, you know, his fee on top of that. And, I mean, he got a decent reaction 
reaction from the crowd, but was anyone seriously buying a ticket just for Big Kev? I mean, it just seemed like a gigantic waste of money. And I, I really can't see him doing the hydro again next year. I mean, you know, let, let's take a step back for a second. 4K is still absolutely incredible. But, mm. you know, when it's a drop from 6K from last year. And I mean, and there'd be no shame in going back to like the SECC and filling it. And, um, I mean, even looking on the VOD outside of the standing area, the hydro looks very empty. And, um, you know, but then again, you know, 4K is a lot for a Brit Indian. Nothing to be sniffed at. But, um, I mean, you've got to think how much, how, how much it costs to put on this event. I mean, surely, yeah. I, I can't even imagine they've broken even when you think about the airfares for the import guys, the the venue hire, the advertising costs and everything. Surely they they would have had to pull in more than 4K to uh, even break even on this thing. I don't know. I don't know where you guys think ICW go from here. I mean, they, are they coasting until this long rumored move to WWE yeah. Network happens? I mean, they can't you know, really rely can on see. that. Do you know what I can I see? This is what I reckon's on the horizon. This is pure speculation on my part, and I, I'm not. I don't know what I'm really basing this on. I've got this horrible feeling that could be good in a way got a feeling they could do there might be an invasion story on at some point with icw versus progress yeah. peaking at wembley arena next year potentially yeah uh, i've been fearing this and i kind I of might be completely wrong it, it, it does feel like like they seem to have forgotten fundamentally to put on some good matches like that that's the thing that that kind of bothers me the most so for example they talked a lot in the commentary about lewis gervin being one of the the best young wrestler in the world ricochet last year i've not really heard anything about him since if i'm honest exactly like where does he wrestle up in icw does he have i seen him in what culture before i i couldn't i couldn't say so for that i mean it yeah, it's difficult to know where they go. And I agree with you, they do need to go back to the SE. Is it the SECC, isn't it? Um, yeah. But then also on top of that, I don't know if you found this, Martin, when, when, when watching it on the VOD, the crowd seemed really quite subdued at points. Mm, I've like, always, they, I thought that last year as well, though, even though it was a, you know, a bigger crowd. There was, but the, for that show, the one that you mentioned, and I, I have to admit, I forgot about. I've seen obviously the the main event from that show, and it's great in terms of the atmosphere and the fact that it's it's packed out and it's sold out as well. But my God, I, like I, I'm watching this, and I'm going, they feel like British TNA. Mm. It's how it is is how it feels in the comparative landscape of a promotion which they have some very clear advantages and there are some great stuff on the production side. And it just as I suppose as a general production note, it'd be nice if more promotions trust their hard cam as much as ICW. <laughs> um, I know, but it's, it's not an easy thing to obviously go about and film, but like when I'm there thinking, yeah, I like that skit with Shah Samuels and Jack Jester. If that's one of the highlights, I'm, you know, there's, it's a worry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, I think I don't know whether or not Mark Mark Dallas needs someone else in there with him. Like Red Lightning, never. Like I swear to God, it may just be me. I I think he, I know he certainly had one loser leaves ICW, but he ain't going away, is he? Just you know, well, that's what the thing they did last year at the Hydro, didn't they? They had yeah. this big blow-off to the storyline and then just fetched him back with Bram and um, Joe Coffey like a couple of months later and it was like, yeah, this is the same storyline again except with a couple of different guys and it was like, for fuck's sake, we've just seen this for like two odd years. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And it's just mm. like, oh, Jesus, here we go. This again. And it's <laughs> it, there are so many managers. There are so yeah. many hangers on. I can't keep up with them. 
It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's Joe Hendry with Leighton Buzzers. And I'm thinking, that's an odd reference, if anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't make head and the tail of it. So I'm ranting about it now, but I'll let it go for a minute. <laughs> It's okay, but even Joe Hendry's lost a lot of uh, steam, yeah. you know, he's, he's lost his entrances now, they're not using copyrighted music, so they've even lost that about his character, you know, and I don't even know what his character is these days, he used to be like the cocky guy who came out with, you know, doing his own music for his entrances, and now he just seems to be another guy, it seems like a lot of their own homegrown guys have just turned into like, you know, another guy sort of thing, I think they need to go back to being ICW rather than trying to be like, you know, a bit of everything for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the criticisms I've given to Progress in the past by comparison with this. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, they haven't done anything on this level. If they did that, I don't know, I don't know how we would have reacted. Frankly, well, it would be bad. Yeah, true. And that was a big show. <laughs> yeah. And that was overbooked. <laughs> yeah, massively. I don't. You, you'd have to see this, Joe. I'm not going to bother. No, I know you won't. But thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so a hearty recommendation from uh, from JP there, maybe not. Um, moving on then to maybe more positive things, Martin. I know uh, a promotion we've not really talked much about on the show at all, really. Three CW, uh, Three Count Wrestling. You managed to see a bit of a, a preview, have you, of one of their their upcoming shows? Yeah, it's like you say, uh, sort of Three Count are a company who don't really get much coverage on podcasts and stuff like that, and um, they're based in the northeast of, of the UK, and they first started running shows in the uh, dark days of Brit Rest, you know, back in 2004, and they ran for a few years before calling it a day, and they, uh, yeah, they restarted back up the other year and have been putting on, you know, regular events all over the northeast, and, uh, you know, it's run by a, a, a great bunch of guys, and... Um, I watched the most recent event, Encore, which was held on the 11th of November in Darlington, and and it like features the usual three CW crew, Prince, I mean, Kid Richie, Martin Kirby, etc., etc. But the two matches I'd recommend people go out of the way to see are uh, Justin Sizem against Matt Riddle and uh, Keith Lee against Rampage Brown, and these are two matches that um, haven't seen anywhere else in the country. And uh, I think Justin Sizem isn't someone who really gets talked about that much, but I'm um, amazed more companies don't use him. He's the same size as Riddle, and... Uh, perhaps even uh, even a bit more muscular than him. And uh, these two had an absolutely fantastic match, you know, apparently uh, grappling started off with uh, before they were suplexing each other all over the place and uh, suicide dives and size them even going for a 450 splash off the top, you know, which is mega impressive, someone his size, you know, kind of reminding me a bit of uh, Mike Awesome. And, um, I mean, yeah, some other highlights from the show. Uh, Luke Menzies was on the show, you know, he's been getting a lot of press recently, you know, packing in his rugby career at his playing peak, starting wrestling. And, uh, you know, say he's only been wrestling this year pretty much. Oh, he's uh, really, really impressive. I mean, WWE have got an interest in him, and, you know, Marty Jones has been putting him over left, right, and centre. So, yeah, definitely recommend checking out 3CW. Uh, you know, they've got a VOD service, free count wrestling um, pivot share, like uh, most other companies. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend checking out uh, Encore for those uh, two matches. I seem to remember 3CW from, again, the, the other Brett Res boom, maybe near in the end when, you know, the, the wrestling channel was it was in, in swing and they'd run shows and they'd, they'd book a, the likes of a, a Loki and people like that that you maybe uh, wouldn't see elsewhere. Have you, have you 
were you going to the shows back then, Martin, or is this a, is it a promotion you maybe more got into in recent years? Um, yeah, I always knew they they were going on, but um, I think they had a working relationship with One PW, you know, to use uh, import talent and things like that. So uh, yeah, I was seeing those guys in Doncaster, you know, before obviously One PW imploded on itself. But um, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I never felt the need to go up to uh, you know the northeast when I had it on my doorstep. But yeah, yeah, I'd obviously heard a lot about them and everything. JP was considering their show in North Allerton, is that right? That's right, my yeah. mum lives there. She doesn't live far from, from North Allerton. Well, she lives in North Allerton, so there in Darlington. So I was looking, actually, um, there seem to be running loads of shows, don't they, throughout sort of that North Allerton, Hartlepool, Middlesbrough as well. There's like a real growth potential that they have. Yeah, because I think obviously they know the area well. They've got, um, you know, a lot of contacts around there. So obviously, you know, run your local area rather than, you know, trying to run near there and everywhere like everyone else is doing. Yeah. You know, you stick to uh, what you know, I guess. Yeah, you don't want to uh, flame out like a like a lucha forever, <laughs> who, who who really probably one of the promotions who could learn a lesson from a, a 3CW on yeah. to... Yeah, go, getting silly and running uh, venues all over the country, but that's probably a, a subject for another time. <laughs> um, moving on, then just one for for me, that one I've been watching very briefly. I managed to get down to the Fighting Spirit uh, Wrestling School. Um, it's a school in Magal, just outside of uh, Liverpool, run by uh, Zach Gibson and James Drake. Um, and actually, th- this is the second show that they they've put on. The shows tend to be. For I think it's more about getting the trainees on shows. Um, it's it's a weird venue because it's kind of a, it's an MMA gym that used to be a, a swimming baths that's actually got a swimming pool. You can still see the shape of the swimming pool, and that's where the training gets done. That's where the ring is. So you can kind of I, I put a picture on Twitter, but you you kind of stand it on the balcony almost, but looking into a swimming pool where there's a wrestling ring and there's all kinds of fans around it, and it really made for a, a unique atmosphere. I mean, I'm not going to say the, tra- the trainees who, who worked on the show were quite clearly trainees. I think uh, the school's been open, what, th- three, four months? Is it longer than that? Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's not a long time anyway. Um, and I know that the first show they ran, they ran opposite Ring of Honor, so I didn't get a chance to get down to that one. So these are trainees who've not been wrestling that long. Um, and I think the idea of the school is running these shows. I don't think they're running them for profit. Uh, it's a lot of uh, localish wrestlers, the likes of uh, uh, Sam Bailey, Sam Gradwell, uh, and Drake and, and Gibson themselves. Even El Ligero popped up on this show, but would it be an indie wrestling show if, if, <coughs> if El Ligero didn't pop up? Um, but the idea is they mix these uh, experienced wrestlers in with their trainees, and the trainees are raw. I mean, one negative I would say is, I mean, uh, some of the trainees' gear was pretty appalling. I mean, there was a couple of guys who were literally just wrestling in, in, in T-shirts and a pair of track pants, and they had knee pads on um you kind of think yeah i mean i do kind of think i mean it's not that hard to go on ebay uh and buy some <laughs> crappy wrestling gear or go to high spots the uk version of high spots and uh and order yourself some terrible trunks uh oh, so vicky that, stitch is it is it vicky stitch i think there's a lot of the uh, right, uk yeah. guys gear and uh, yeah by all accounts she does a fantastic job of uh you know putting together uh gear for everybody I like so how she's got it. a gimmick name for her job as well. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good on Vic. 
Yeah, I think I think stitches. maybe when you're a trainee, the, the money doesn't quite stretch for a for a Vicky stitch, I suppose. So <laughs> I can kind of understand it. But that, yeah, that aside, it was just it was kind of cool to see uh, these experienced hands work with these these younger wrestlers. And there was a really good uh, Chris Ridgeway and Flash Morgan Webster um, had a really good match on the night as well. So there was something to bring in people from outside as well. But yeah, it looked like a a really good venue uh, and a really good place to, to train as well if you were interested in uh, in training to wrestle I think uh, my ears are that are well behind me I'm far too old for that stuff now I'm not taking bumps at my age but you, you <laughs> took some photos and had them up on your Twitter feed and it looked like a cracking venue for a it show is. does it hold yeah. about 200 or so would you say or even that or about 100 I'd say 200 probably be about the maximum. Uh, I don't know how many people can you get in a swimming pool. Maybe that'll uh, yeah. <laughs> give us a hint. Of... <laughs> the size of the pool, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it didn't look particularly deep anyway. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a good idea, isn't it? I think if you run mm. in the training school, you might as well. I believe that their next event is on March the 9th uh, next year. Um, I don't think they're, not, they're pacing themselves as well. They're not running lots of these shows, mm. but cool little idea and yeah a fun little fed just uh, 10 minutes away from my house so no excuse for me to not get to their next show question for you benno have you been mm-hmm. swimming in that pool before <laughs> you know what this kind of t- ties into sabool i've not mm. been swimming in the pool but i have played football in the five-a-side courts that are in the same building so oh, yeah. there is that and i, I didn't even realize you play football in the swimming pool then, for a <laughs> <second>. <laughs> i might have maybe a, a distant memory but no i I, th- I definitely play football there i didn't realize until i got there that the, that was the venue but uh yeah unfortunately not um but you can you can just picture it you can it, it, it you can see the you know the grids where the water would would go through and things like that it is still very much a swimming pool it just has a wrestling ring in it but uh, it is very the prof- it, uh, I don't want to undersell it it's a very professional looking setup if uh, a little bit weird uh, progress. It wouldn't be a, an episode of our, our fine show without talking about <laughs> progress. Uh, they got to Manchester again uh, this past weekend for Chapter 57. Uh, I'd had a few beers watching this one. I really enjoyed it. I'm curious, Joe, what you made of it before we, we get into the, uh, the, the particular talking points of it. I mean, I thought personally it was a... I, I'm starting to turn around a little bit on progress. I think there are elements of the booking that are definitely improving um, that I want to get into in a moment. Uh, there's elements of the booking i'm still not a, a huge fan of but how did it how did the uh, the vod come across for you joe well i didn't think it was bad i thought it was an enjoyable show for the most part um there were definitely things that i would have changed around personally um regarding kind of the order of the card and a few little bits and pieces um one thing that i did kind of come out of it thinking was I, i'm really not feeling the havoc and haskins uh, thing at all um, hmm. They opened the show here, and I just don't. What what actually is their motivation? They're not in a promo at all yeah. to tell us what their motivation is. There's no reason that we've been given for the fact that they're now together. Haskins hasn't hasn't sort of changed his look or really adapted his in ring style too much to suit this either. Um, I saw they started uh, putting Macbeth quotes on Twitter regarding like this team. And I gotta say, I, I switched off when I'm at Beth in my year nine sats. So, <laughs> and I was watching a lot of wrestling at times to escape from, I imagine, Macbeth in, you know, my year nine English class. So getting Macbeth involved in wrestling is not gonna appeal <laughs> to me in any way <laughs> well, at they, all. They so, butchered the quote as well. That was the other thing. I mean, I'm they? almost, I mean, I, I wish 
Yeah, it was like it was online, wasn't it? It was just a tweet. I mean, I do, I, I completely share your view there, Joe. That no pro. I mean, being there in Manchester. This is a lot of the people who come to the Manchester shows. Yeah, you get your hardcore progress fans, but there's people I know who go to these Manchester shows who don't go to the London shows, who might not have seen the VOD of Haskins and Havoc turning. So there were definitely people in the building just a bit confused as to one why are they a tag team now, and two why are the why are we supposed to boo them? And like you say, there was no promo, there was no yeah. explanation. I mean, I assume that'll come on the next London show. Do you think? Maybe. Uh, you'd hope. You'd really hope so, because at the moment it's just like, yeah, we're together because we're together. It's like we said before, um, the Ali Pali show. There's nothing they've got for them, so they put them together because people like them, and it still mm. feels like they haven't really got a lot for them, so they put them together as a tag team because everyone likes them in Subway and they're popular. Uh, yeah, there definitely needs to be a bit of a refigure. I think Vicky Haskins is great in her role. She certainly looks the part. Um, yep. But at the same time, what is this? Why are they together? I've got to say, their music is unbearable. Uh, <laughs> honestly, that theme, when they came out, <laughs> I found myself wanting to put it on mute. And th- these are two men who, well, where music played a huge part in their character during their time in progress. You think about Haskins with the ProBot theme. I think about like his return to progress, how great, how sort of pivotal that theme was in his character and building him up in 2016. I think of Havoc and AFI, and now they're just coming out to noise. And, it's, and it, oh, I just hate this whole crappy music that progress of attaching to wrestlers. Um, one match that particularly stood out, which I was going to talk about anyway, but music-wise, was the women's match. Candy Floss came out to a song called Candy Crush. The fact the song is called Candy Candy Crush doesn't mean it's suitable for her character because mm. it sounded like something from a really bad 90s straight-to-video sci-fi film, like, I don't know, The Lawnmower Man 2 or something. <laughs> like, it, it did not suit her. In, it didn't suit her, like, cute Bailey-like character any way whatsoever the lack of thought and actual i don't know sort of how how these themes attach to a character i think is really poor if i'm honest and i really it affects my enjoyment of the shows in a much bigger way than it should i almost wish they cut the entrance out of the show or they do the wxw thing and dubbing over the entrance in some way because i think the live experience and the music was still such a great part of getting progress shows and about the mm. music, I don't know, it makes me less inclined to go back to progress shows in a way. Um, yeah, so that yeah. was my thoughts on I think, <laughs> I mean, those I think two just, issues. Just, just on that point, I mean, uh, one group that one team that i think they do get the music right but it's not progress is doing mustache mountain now being <laughs> lovely baby faces get to come out to that wwe theme that i'm actually a bit of a fan of uh i think that's that's the decent entrance music if not the pete duns and the the terrible um group music they've got for british oh, strong style but, music oh that's bad too another yeah. group where music is so pivotal to the act to the cramps and even their road pro music is quite decent it's quite energetic this music that CCK come out to does not suit their acting any way at all. Like, Chris Brooks seems like he's pretty into his music. I'd love to hear his opinion on the shite that progress have more happened. It's like noise. Like, just, I'd rather them come out to no theme whatsoever than just this noise that they walk out to for whatever reason. Um, going back. I mean that- Sorry, Benno. 
Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I was pretty sad on the night that uh, we didn't get Wolfgang. He was uh, ruled out of the show, wasn't he? We got a bit, something of an upgrade with Joe Coffey, but I would have enjoyed Wolfgang coming out to his uh, ICW theme. His very Aces and Eights style sounding music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Big yeah. fan of that. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, no, I've got to be honest. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Is that an ICW original piece of music, is it? Uh, I think it is, yeah, I think it is. Right, got you. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard worse in progress, I'll say that. Um, <laughs> anyway, going, going back to the show, um, I was going to say the six-man tag was kind of yeah. notable on the show because of the five WWE contractor talents and Zach Gibson. Mm. Um, I thought Zach Gibson was awesome here, I've got to say. Oh, promo. promo beforehand was hilarious. I loved hearing about, I loved finding out about his dad and his 35 years at the post office uh, <laughs> and Trent Seven's dad bod was hilarious. Oh, and, and Trent saying that uh, this is a, this is a, talking about James Drake calling him his colleague and saying that James Drake should be on the Mustache Mountain side because they've got to <laughs> organise the WWE employee Christmas party uh, coming up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't see this show for any other reason, genuinely this promo exchange was amazing live just gibson's disdain for the state of uh, of trent uh, and, and his dad bod like you say and trent just coming back with the greatest one-liners i mean are these the two best promo men in british wrestling i think they might be yeah and absolutely also, they definitely are one of the things we spoke about before is wwe influence on progress and i say that you know the whole opening raw promo and the rest of it are usually shite but if you're going to use zach gibson and trent seven in an unscripted segment um, and you're just going to give mics, let them carry on forever, because I could I could have watched those two all day go at it, to be honest with you. Absolutely. The match itself, I thought, was okay. Um, not feeling Joseph Connors at all. Another case with him is, what is this bloke? What does he add? Like, he's just another guy who wears black trunks and he's got long black hair. How is he, he distinct he, from James Drake? How is he distinct from the Hunter brothers? He looks like another Hunter brother. And they both, the Hunter Brothers both wrestle better than him as well. And at least they've got a couple of rings. <laughs> yeah, so they've, they've, they have indeed. And some diversity their... with the Brothers of Obstruction and yep. Construction as well. So, you know. But, yeah, Benno, what were your thoughts on uh, Connors y- yourself? I don't know, I think I'm probably best tagging off to Joseph Connor's biggest fan, uh, Martin Bushby. <laughs> 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 uh, Connor's worked in a nightclub in Sheffield having brawls with El Ligero. I don't think he quite works on the bigger <laughs> stages of progress and stuff. And uh, and you know what they're about, um, similar to James Drake. Weren't there about four or five wrestlers on the WWE UK, the first thing that they did, that all looked exactly the same? Yeah, yeah. and you got the... Didn't James Drake and... Um, What's his name? Connor's face up on that show as well. Yeah, they did. Yeah, mm. yeah. He just does, he just doesn't particularly stand out, does he? Uh, in these kinds of environments, and yeah, I mean, Joel joking aside, I mean, I think I think his running was to be expected here. Um, I mean, one big note for me was the pot when Pete Dunne in turn came out. I mean. If there was ever an indication that Progress fans wanted to cheer Pete Dunne, this was it. That it, especially in the build, and I don't know how it came across on the video. Oh yeah, the massive, is, biggest pop of the night. He's an absolute superstar at this point. Is, and the longer Progress can kind of hold on to him and use him in some form of a role, I think uh, the better off they are. To be honest with you, it, yeah. I don't know what what his situation is. I don't know when he's off. Um, but if they can keep hold of him for a while, well, they, they, they looks like they're going to do a match with him and Joseph Connors. In the singles, I don't know how that's going to turn out. God, I fear Joseph Connors getting the, the win and the rub in that one. I don't know how that's going to go. But, um, yeah, the longer they can keep uh, Pete Dunn around, the better, if you ask me. 
That's it, yeah. I mean, that got a big response. The uh, aforementioned Joe Coffey, Doug Williams match, that was notable just for Doug getting such an ovation. Um, he mm. seems to be on, on a bit of a retirement tour, doesn't he, Doug? Um, I don't know if, he's, if he is truly on his way out, but he's cutting these kinds of promos, these I don't think I can do this anymore kind of stuff as the, the fans chant, yes, you can. It, it was a really cool moment to be there live for what is a genuine legend of, of British wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, I don't know. I mean, JP, he's a man that you've been a fan of, and obviously we've all followed for years. Oh, God, yeah. He's synonymous with British wrestling. Oh, he is. I mean, for the, for the going back to the wrestling channel when it first came on, he was one of the, the key integral parts. He was probably the reason I ended up hearing about Ring of Honor in the first place. Um, sort of through that and his and, and the work in Noah and the um, Chaos Theory um, suplex, which I love that as a finisher. If I mean, I still think he's got a lot to offer, and mm. I, we saw him on a four FW cards uh, last year, and I think on those kind of circuits, I, it would be nice to see him sort of do a tour of like lots of the indies throughout the country. So to see him in Fight Club Pro and to see him in Attack and Rev Pro would be would be really good because he is he is one of those guys that we we kind of we've taken him for granted somewhat and i mean he was he was there at a time when british wrestling was not cool was not at the point where it is um and you know this is someone who deserves in a sense to uh, you know he needs to still be involved this is someone who can offer so much um to the industry and to a lot of the the younger wrestlers throughout the country do you think he's going to retire at wembley next year do you think they've got a story to tell here with doug williams and you know one last big show biggest indie show uh we've probably ever had in the uk mm. it seemed and it'd be in his 25th year coming up to his 25th anniversary yeah i uh, just sort of wonder whether that's a natural end point for him and they're starting the story now maybe the fact that he would be finishing with a British wrestling company running Wembley Arena yeah, would, yeah. would be really sense, nice. It? it does make sense. And it would be a nice, you know, exit for Doug Williams. Something I'd like to see a big show like that. Yeah, as well. I, I would I would love to see that. Um, I was going to say as well, um, I've got a few criticisms of the second half of the That's card. not like you. I'm, well, I'm not, I know I'm not allowed to criticise progress, but I've broken that rule many times. Pretty positive. <laughs> Being a dick. <laughs> Now I don't know. I know you'd had a few beers on the night, Ben. So I don't know if, if you know this occurred to yourself. But the second half of the card, I had some real issues with. Um, I thought if you look down the card, you got um, Ring Camp versus CCK. You then had Flash versus Keith Lee, which I thought was the match of the night. I really <clears> enjoyed that match. <throat> and then you had Andrews versus Travis Banks in the main event. So you've got uh, Lycos, Flash, and um, Mark Andrews one after the other. So you've got three small kind of high flyers who are playing off their size in the match and using their high flyer to get over on their opponents. So you've got this Flash Keith Lee match that followed CCK versus Ring Camp. Now, in the CCK versus Ring Camp match, I thought the booking of it was really strange. Now, this was a match I was really looking forward to, and I really wanted to see it. They, they originally booked on that WXW show in London, um, and then after this show, I didn't hear anyone talking about it. And I thought, oh, that was the match I'd probably be looking forward to most in that show. Now, there was some, I thought it was a quite a stupidly booked match. So a lot of the stuff Lycos was doing on Walter was just weird. Like, it didn't feel like Walter's size really impacted that much on Lycos. And Lycos mm. is tiny. And then we've got this match after this where it's all based around Flash overcoming Keith Lee's size. 
So in terms of like actual psychology and the layout of the card, it just seemed very inconsistent and a little bit jarring to me. And it felt like some of the big spots Lycos was hitting on Walter just weren't kind of earned at all. Mm. And it just felt like Ring Camp were just there as kind of fodder for mm. a month uh, for CCK, rather than this being an actual match where CCK had to really kind of earn a win and irk out a win. It just felt kind of routine and kind of run-of-the-mill, if anything. And It'd for me... In. Sorry? Yeah, just being the first match after intermission as well. It just... Mm. it Like you said, it just seemed really odd placements. Um, being there in the building, this was the match where it was... You mentioned no one talked about it afterwards because it was, it was just all right. CCK yeah. went over clean and it was fine. Um, nobody... It, there wasn't a huge reaction for it. It just didn't feel the place for a match of this magnitude. I, I agreed. And you think you say the um, ring camp tag when it was Volta and Axel Dieter against um, the South oh, Pacific God. Power Trip earlier in the year. And yes. that was a match where the win for the South Pacific Power Trip really felt earned. Like, they, I, I honestly think TK Cooper got over as a face based mostly on that match because he was so good in the match. His selling was so good and the sympathy that was built from the match going up against Walter was amazing. Whereas here, it just felt like Lycos was doing stuff to Walter and to Thatcher, and his size didn't really come into the match that much. And it just felt like a, another match, whereas it could have been, and should have been, if you ask me, a match that really got Ring Camp over as more of a unit in the current incarnation, a match where they protected both guys a little bit more, and a match where CCK got a massive victory about this, you know, this brute force that are Ring Camp. And yeah, for me, I thought they really missed an opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, I just think that. I think progress, it's kind of one step forward, a couple back, or maybe another one back, because, yeah, that was my biggest critique. It was kind of the layout of the show. Um, I think, again, you know, you mentioned there, Walter, you would think he's the type of person to say no to some of that stuff. I was kind of watching it going, this isn't... You'd expect Walter to, to say to like us, nah, we're not doing that. Uh, he's quite protective over his gimmick, isn't he? Mm. So it's just, yeah, just very strange. And yeah, the second half, from everyone I spoke to live, uh, although it had maybe the best match, there was just something that didn't click about that second half. But I mean, like you mentioned Keith Lee, Flash Morgan, it was a great match. We're probably going to talk a lot more about Keith Lee later. And mm. it was an incredible big man, little man match, but maybe I was spoiled by the fact that... Uh, they had that live on Facebook. Because I, they, I, really? I watched that match in the Dundee Arms, waiting to go to G1. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm watching on there thinking, British wrestling's changed. Or <laughs> waiting to go show in London, I can watch another company on Facebook. And, at the, <laughs> and in a week later, watch another company for free on Facebook. It's mad. Dude. I mean, before we wrap up with the progress talk then, I mean, Travis Banks and Mark Andrews was the, the main event. Um, Travis Banks, I mean, it was a, I thought it was a really good, clean, straight match. Kind of, I like the fact that Travis Banks is having these matches to watch the, the bad taste of some of the, the previous booking of the world title. Uh, a nice, easy win for him. It's logical that he's now facing, I think it's Matt Riddle, isn't it, on Sunday? A man who's, who beat him um, on his run to the title. Nice, logical, progressive booking from progress. Um, kind of making Uzi crow a little bit for, for some of the previous booking, although I definitely won't forgive them for all of it. Um, I suppose all year, uh, maybe uh, you first, Martin. I mean, what do you, do you make of this booking of, of Travis Banks as, as champion? Is it uh, a positive step um, for progress in, in booking maybe a more straightforward wrestling matches uh, on top of their cards rather than the, the overcomplicated stories, as our good friend Ollie Court might say? 
Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be quite happy for them for Banks to have a really long run with the title, and um, you know he can main event all the shows with a variety of different opponents. He can keep all the storyline stuff like underneath that, and then he can just be sort of like a fighting champion, you know, taking on all comers. I'd be I'd be quite happy to see that. I think. Mm. What did you think of the match, Joe? I thought it was decent. It was just a kind of nice match. I didn't think it was one of either guy's better matches. Um, it just felt like they'd been told to go out and wrestle and put on a decent match as a main event, basically. Um, I didn't feel like they really built any great story between the two sort of going forward. But with the Eddie Dennis moment after the match, obviously it seems like they're going in a certain direction. Do you think with Mark Andrews, uh, there is a story to tell long term mm. with this being, what was it, like his seventh title defeat? He's kind of like the Hiroki Goto of uh, <laughs> yeah. progress at this point in many ways, isn't he? Um, I do wonder as well. So like Mark Andrews, I think, is a really good wrestler. But there have been a few times I've been a little bit disappointed with, uh, with his big matches this year, I've got to say. Um, and this one... Yeah, I was a, felt a little bit. I did, I, well, I didn't. I don't want to say I felt let down, but I didn't think it was uh, as good as it potentially could have been. But again, I wonder if that was because it came after the Keith Lee, um, Flash Morgan Webster match. It was Placement. just yeah. It was just quite a good match, if anything. Nothing, well, nothing bad, nothing great. I haven't seen this main event yet, and and, and one of the thoughts I, I had about it when I when I seen that this was the main and, and seen the result from it was, um, I was wondering. When you were there live, I can't imagine there were many people who thought Andrews had a had a hope no, in hell of winning it. Not. And also, did it feel like, right, we're just going to be killing time until Eddie Dennis comes out in some form and gets involved? That- kind of, yeah. I think, I think the fact that Eddie Dennis... Uh, I mean, obviously, with the obvious story, the fact that he wasn't on the show and you would expect him to be on progress shows going forward, it was a bit of a red herring, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done some great work on Twitter in terms of building up his match against Jack Sexsmith and kind of explaining his character a bit more, um, which is obviously out of the auspices of, of progress booking and saying, I've had to do this because I need to get results because that's going to get me more bookings. And I now quit my teaching job in order to work as a wrestler full time. And I've got a mortgage to pay. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, you know, Jack, what have you got to worry about? You live in a sort of big house share in Wolverhampton. You don't have these kind of concerns. And I thought that was a really interesting dynamic to add to the character. And it's the kind of thing that could be utilised even a bit more. Um, and so I'm, I'm ho- I imagine we're going to see something similar in Rev Pro soon enough as well yeah, I think with the losing streak. streak. I think Eddie Dennis is one of the more human characters yes. with the way he's going at the moment as well. And I wonder whether the <laughs> long term it might be in danger of turning him fatally because... I don't know, there's issues to me, mm. being a teacher, <laughs> yeah. quite relatable in a way, and you know, I, 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 yeah, I think it's a good route to go down, definitely something to try, and I'm certainly interested in him and like sort of his journey and where they're going to go with him, he's one of the more sort of intriguing guys in progress at the moment. I think. And, his, and his conditioning since he's gone full time, you can clearly see the, the changes in physique as well. Stop body shaving. I'm not body, yeah. Point, yeah, I thought you were serious there for a second. But yeah, you know, it's it's good. It, it, you can see him. He's had the chance to kind of work on the conditioning, and you. It was especially evident in the match in the attack match he had with Mark Davis, as well of, of looking at him, and he and he looks considerably leaner. His you know he looks a bit fitter. As he well, looks fitter, ring. and he's obviously now got the time to be able to do that. There's a very good reason why he didn't have as much time before. 
being a head teacher. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he sleeping four hours a night on average? Apparently? Yeah, yeah. Insane. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, the perfect segue then uh, from pro- progress uh, into our next uh, discussion, WWE UK, um, almost in some ways a sister promotion of progress. Um, we decided this month that I'll be our <laughs> roundtable uh, discussion, WWE UK, and we are uh, exactly almost a, a year on uh, since a lot of the wrestlers, I believe, signed their, what we called at the time, mark deals to, to sign up with WWE. Um, I know that uh, some of the wrestlers... Uh, Sam Gradwell and a couple of the others have tweeted out this week that this was the week they got the the phone call from William Regal. Coincidentally, it was uh, about two weeks after the ITV tapings. That's weird, isn't it? Um, (laughs) That all came about, and it's been... uh, quite a year and it's a a subject that on this particular show we've not really had much of a chance to talk about um as to how it's affected the scene over the last year so i'm definitely curious for all all of your takes i mean i'll start with maybe you uh jp i mean Mm -hmm. overall wwe uk has it been a positive has it been a negative what's what what do you see has been the the effect on the on the british scene over the last year from from wwe uk i think the the positive is is it gave a group of guys, a kind of financial base mm. in order to kind of work more within the UK. And they themselves have kind of added to the, to the kind of the rise of the British Indies. And because of these guys being associated with WWE, there are a lot more fans who are now going to, to shows who never would have, who never would have gone to British Indies if it hadn't been for seeing some things on the network. I'm not saying there's a great deal of loads and loads of fans who would have done it, but there certainly would have been some, in terms of the way they're used, um, it's awful. <laughs> I had no expectation it was going to be good at all, given WWE's certainly main roster creative. Uh, um, I have, have zero faith in them at the best of times. So that's why when you hear people say they're great, you go, no, they're not, you know, because I have eyes, ears, and a memory. Um, they, I think going. Tell me that Survivor Series main event wasn't a good main absolute event. Absolute shit. I'm sorry, I get, I get angry talking about that because that was just <laughs> a waste of an hour. Well, I didn't sit up like Benno did to the end. Um, oh, I thought it was utter shit, but thoroughly but, enjoyed it at the same time. It was hilarious. Well, it's. It, <laughs> but do you find that there's some of this that kind of. You know, there's been rumours about a WWE show in the UK, uh, being on the UK. There was apparently some possible talks with ITV. Mm. Now, what's going to happen with the Sky deal? Is this something that's going to be on Sky and recorded? I, ultimately, I don't have any faith in them producing a UK-based product because they can't, sure as hell can't do a Cruiserweight product. I fear the worst for them doing doing an all-women's <coughs> show. Cause well, I think if they did a UK show, it would be a lot different to, say, 205 Live because they'd obviously tape in the UK – and you'd hope it would be set up as kind of shows in kind of smaller arenas mm-hmm. in front of a hotter UK crowd that would be into the show rather than the crowd of people who have stayed behind after a SmackDown tape and yeah. watch a load of guys that really I understand why no one really cares about because they're not given a reason to care about perform on 205 Live. So mm. I do think in terms of that, that it would be a little bit different. I'm assuming the team of writers they put onto it would be a little bit different as well. You know, they they the relationship with the Progress guys is, you know, on record. Personally, I think that eventually all the Progress guys are going to end up with jobs at WWE and they'll be fine. Um, so I wonder whether they'd have those guys work 
working and writing the show as well potentially mm. um and so i i, I think from that perspective, it would be very different to 205 Live. I hope so. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a, really a WWE fan at this point, if I'm completely honest with mm-hmm. you. But I, I'd have a little bit more faith that it might be okay if they were That's... to do the show over here. And at the end of the day, would Vince have any involvement? Probably bit... not. He doesn't have any involvement in NXT, but he does have involvement with 205 Live. So that's See, ultimately, in my opinion, why 205 Live is shit. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, the issue for me, and a part of why I brought it up, because, I mean, on our last show, we talked about the Raw and SmackDown taping in the UK, and we were yeah. laughing at the prospect of going, and then I got all excited and went to SmackDown the second night to, uh, to see the WWE UK guys on 205 Live. I mean, there was also the nice bonus of AJ Styles winning the world title. Yeah, you saw a world title. Another reason that got me there, but, I was really interested in, I mean, I was talking to you, Martin, on the day about, you know, oh, this would be, this could be a good thing to talk about on a podcast. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the first WWE UK takeover of, of 205 Live and, you know, uh, uh, okay, it was great they were there on telly, but, you know, bait aside. The- no, no, sorry, Benno, it wasn't, it wasn't good they were there on telly. They made, they looked like absolute geeks. Nobody they cared. Did. Enzo buried them <laughs> as best they could. And it was just like, why is this even happening? Yeah. You know, I, I, I get, you know, didn't he say Mark these guys from air times. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to it's interrupt. It was a joke, I think. I think he was joking that he was fat. Like he meant he needed to eat something. Oh, oh yeah. eat yeah. a Mars bar. I've seen him chopping on them. <laughs> he does like a Mars bar. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, they couldn't look less like stars, could they, Martin? It was I just. Know. I mean, there is a lot of bland on that roster too. I will say that. Um, yeah. I don't think you down. can. It's hard to. Go Sorry, Ben. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it's hard to say a brand with only two proper live events to its name is is getting stale, but it kind of is as well. I mean, it's been a year, and yeah. we've had two weekends of shows and this awful 205 Live where, as you said, Martin, they, they couldn't have looked less like stars. There weren't really any big personalities to stand out apart from Tyler Bates. It was just a, a gang of lads in, in trunks, wasn't it? I mean, did you see the full... The, what, what did you think of it as, as a whole show, Martin? Aside from that, that Enzo, did, were you given any hope from the way they used Tyler Bates on the show? Well, it was just depressing because of, other than Tyler Bates, the crowd just didn't care at all, did they? And it's like, you know, there, and I've listened to a few other podcasts from people who aren't that invested in the British scene, and they said, you know, these guys might be good but as far as we could see they didn't showcase any personality they all looked exactly the same the crowd didn't give a shit other than for tyler Bate. and you know thankfully pete dunn was nowhere near this thing you know what i mean mm. and then but it's interesting that people are it's coming to the end of the year and everyone's talking about you know what are the matches of the year and people are still saying that you know pete dunn re tyler Bate from the nxt show is still in there you know matches of the year so it's good to know that that's been kept in people's minds that these guys you know, are worth watching and, you know, they're going to put on stunning matches like the one they did for NXT. And apparently Gargano and uh, Dunn had an incredible match on this week's NXT, so I'll be looking forward to seeing that one as well. Well, that's the weird thing as well, because when we're talking about positives and negatives of, uh, you know, WWE and the British scene, you know, I absolutely loved that uh, Dunn versus Bait match. And, you know, uh, it was probably the most sort of... Well, it sounds really weird, but the most emotional in a way that I've got watching a yeah. wrestling match this year because it was like you know I've had conversations with these guys 
I've seen them in front of like 200 people. You know, I've seen Tyler, uh, JP spoken to Tyler Bates' mum at Fight Club Pro shows and all the <laughs> yeah. rest of it. And then you watch it in front of like a sold out crowd in Chicago and all the rest of it. Having the WWE match of the year, you know, that, that's it. You know, that's not a moment I'd want to sacrifice. And I do really like the fact that, you know, it's helped a lot of the guys in a, from a financial perspective. I know that the Pete Dutt, my British Strong Star Wolfgang and Andrew's got uh, different contracts to the 16 grand base deals. I know they were put on a bit more money. Um, so I think that's a great thing as well. And I like the fact that it has probably driven um, the price that some of the guys can charge up a little bit as well, so they can make a bit more money from it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, yeah, when you're being showcased like a geek, why should I care about Joseph Codders turning up into progress when he's not even allowed to get a line in during Enzo's little parade there? And, you know, there are guys like Jordan Devlin there. And Jordan Devlin, if you ask me, has had one bad match this year. And unfortunately, his one bad match was his match with Martin Stone <laughs> in the UK tournament. And other than that, he's been absolutely brilliant yeah. this year. Yeah. And then he's just made to look like a, another geek. And he has to be a so. Oh, he's Irish. So Finn Balor's got to be mentioned. Oh, Tucker as well. He's Irish. Finn Balor. Got to mention him. <laughs> mention fucking Seamus while you're at it. Mention leprechauns and shamrocks. And <laughs> Guinness. Yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> I think yeah. with Devlin, you can't avoid it, though, can you, with the, with the close association to Balor? Yeah. But you're right, does Tucker really have to do it, too? And I mean, just to put over Irish Devlin well. even more, just to put over Devlin even more, I mean, that match he had with Moose in OTT, I mean, oh, Moose is man. not sniffing round anybody's match of the year candidates, and I put a call out the other day for, uh, you know, people's top fives, and that match was in three of them, so that that gives you uh, an indication oh, of Moose. how good Jordan Devlin actually is, that he had, like, a match of the year candidate with Moose. <laughs> he's been having great matches all year, I think he's one of the most improved guys out there this year, he's done it kind of quietly as well because he's not been showcased by progress i suppose ott is kind of his highest profile promotion being mm -hmm. his home promotion um i'd love he, he's one of the wwe uk guys i actually really love to see in progress they're using joseph connors but i don't know why they're using joseph connors when you've got someone who's as genuinely talented well-rounded and as accomplished as jordan devlin just sitting there at home. Perhaps the, the airfare from Dublin for Ryanair flights has gone up or something. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's funny. I mean, you talk about uh, Devlin as a guy who sometimes you forget he's involved with WWE UK because yeah. it's really obvious who the WWE value. Anytime they show you a picture of them or they turn up at a takeover, it's British Strong Style, it's Mark Andrews, and it's their good mate Wolfgang. Uh, they're not showing Tucker, are they? They're not showing Devlin. No. They're not as, showing as the rest of these Dan guys. Maloney's body. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or even if he saw um, some of the other guys in there, you know, Sam Grabwell's got a good physique. That could be someone Vince could like. Roy Johnson's got a lot of charisma. He disappeared off the map, didn't he? I don't even think he is a WWE UK guy anymore, is he? No, I did. He, he was at Eve when he when we were there, um, mm. just on his phone as per usual. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I mean, as far as positives go of WWE UK, I mean, I would say that I think we talked before about how big a star Pete Dunne is. He would be a star anyway, but he's definitely a much bigger star because of this exposure. Yeah. I think progress, as much as it will drive us mad, it sells out quicker. Uh, me and you, Martin, we're looking to go to the Sheffield show, aren't we, coming up? And we both have to uh, keep an eye on Twickets to try and get a ticket to the, the progress show yeah. there. Um, I mean, the guys are obviously bigger stars, and the Dunne, Bait, Seven are kind of the obvious draws, I think, in British wrestling. They're only equals being the likes of Osprey and Scale, who are outside of the WWE uh, umbrella. So I'll close on the WWE UK talk then and just say, I mean, Martin, 
this is something we've covered a lot of British audio wrestling. Will there ever be a TV show? Is it actually going to come to fruition, or are we just going to have these endless appearances? It does feel like we're never going to get there, doesn't it? I think they want a TV show, but now networks, obviously, in the UK are willing them to give them what they want. You know, I'm, I'm assuming they're wanting, like, a full series that goes on all year rather than, you know, say an ITV will go, oh, well, we'll give you a chance with, like, five episodes or whatever, and WWE are like, what? You're not going to give us a full series for, like, a couple of years sort of thing, and ITV are like, no. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting with that one. things is like as well, because someone like a Channel 5, it would seem to fit their remit some mm. way, but then it might be how much money that WWE are wanting from the company, but then again, Channel 5 are owned by Viacom, aren't yeah. they? There might be all sorts of issues with, I don't know, Viacom and other relationships well, with WWE and the corporate world. Yeah, we're kind of getting into the realms of what happens with the Sky deal, what happens in the preparations for the for the deal that they've got with. Um, is it is it USA? Um, I'm trying to think. Is it Viacom if they got the deal with the moment in terms of USA? Oh, um, no, it isn't. It wouldn't be. But in terms of USA, and Viacom owned by NBC Universal. I might be wrong. No, no uh, I could be wrong. But it de- it depends kind of almost on that TV rights situation, which is somewhat complicating it if they're going to end up being. I mean, there is the they could go down the path of what happens with a lot of American sports in particular, and happens a little bit over here with football, where you've got and, and darts to a degree, where you've got different channels covering certain events, and they're almost buying the rights to those events and show that um, that 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 would dictate whether or not they could move to, and I think really. At this stage, given what's what's going on with the market, the best thing they could do is try and get themselves onto something that's at least on freeview, yeah. or or at least you know at least can can have that that wider market reach, and um, as opposed to being on Sky Sports, which is in the midst of, of really having a terrible year, really suffering in terms of its rating and the amount of products that they've had to let go because of various financial issues due to the, the lack of subscriptions. Well, um, surely thing. WWE's not offering Sky anything now. They've just got it on there to just for the sake of it. I mean, the ratings yeah. for Raw are in the toilet now, and who, who is buying box office anymore? You know what I mean? <laughs> There'll just be people who are just stuck in their ways that are just like, no, I'm not having any of this streaming bullshit. I'm just going <laughs> to order it off my Skybox. But the subscriptions Sky box office the WWE events must be like virtually zero, I would have thought. Uh, yeah, I've never seen any figures. I, I always enjoy looking at the viewing figures for Raw mm. and SmackDown, mm. but I can't remember the last time I saw any box office figures for pay-per-view uh, data for buys or anything. Has anyone seen any in the last couple of years? No. no it's got to be minuscule, though, hasn't it? I mean, like, like Martin said, I mean, like, a bit of a geek on these numbers, and I kind of track them, and Raw's getting as bad as, you know, 30,000 people for the for the live viewing. So I don't know whether it, whether they worry that there's wrestling fans who maybe aren't watching Raw every week, that if they took WWE off the package, you know, these lapsed fans would, would all of a sudden cancel their Sky subscriptions. I don't know if that's what it is. Considering what do they pay WWE, but so roughly around 30 million or so, is that right? Is that what the, the worth of the TV deal is? Mm, couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but I know it's... Good. It is a big chunk of WWE's revenue. And, it, and it, I'm kind of thinking for, from Sky's perspective, and this links back to an article that was in Fighting Spirit a few months ago, and I know Will Cooling was on um, on with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez talking about this, but this idea that, in fact, it'd be better, much better off for Sky to kind of get in bed with a British promotion that they can put on a prime time. You know, mm-hmm. they can they can get away with a Tuesday night show that's live and relatively, you know, with an inc- obviously good production values that they're paying them 
relative, you know, obviously a, a fraction of what they'd be paying WWE, and they're going to be able to show it between sort of eight to eleven o'clock, and that 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 is really the route that that Sky might be thinking if they're looking to cut back in it. But I, it would be amazing to see that. I think it'd be glorious. Would see a completely different and kind of fresh approach to the wrestling as well, yes. uh, rather than the you know the old hackney WWE approach, which. Yes. I'm a bit bored of, to be yeah. honest, um, which would be great. There's one last point I wanted to make about the negativity on the British scene as well, uh, <laughs> WWE deal. And one of the things I was thinking to myself, and I'm going back to the, when we were talking about progress, is Jimmy Havoc. And the whole Havoc and Haskins thing, I was thinking to myself, Havoc needs to do something really nasty, because a couple of years ago, he was, in my opinion, the best heel in wrestling, he's the most intense, yeah. the most interesting heel in wrestling. And I thought to myself, actually, when was the last time something really, really nasty happened in something like Progress? And then I thought, actually, with the WWE deal, would they be able to do something like that? Or would they be too scared that... WWE might frown upon something they've done, might be a little bit annoyed with them. I don't know how deep the relationship goes, but I have wondered how it does affect booking. And it's clearly affected the booking when you see guys like Joseph Connors, James Drake turning up in progress. And then it affects the booking of some of the other guys who maybe aren't linked with WWE, like Zach Gibson. So for me, that is a massive negative because it ends up dictating talent rosters at points mm. as well. Um, and, you know, when there's a bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, I'd rather not see that. I'd rather see a uh, talent roster chosen organically because the promoter uh, feels that that person should be on his cards rather than being forced to use that person. So for me, that is a massive negative. Mm-hmm. No, I think that, that sums it up pretty well uh, as far as WWE UK goes I think yep there's lots of negatives there's some positives for the guys involved but all in all it's just it's kind of frustrating as it as it continues to rumble on with you know no no announced TV show in sight for all the reasons we just cited and it's it's just one of those news stories I suppose we're all going to have to wait and see uh, what happens with it so let's get into our, our feature review this week Rev Pro and their Global Wars Weekender uh, Night 1 took place in york hall night two took place in walthamstow um i managed to watch the show on new japan world which was interesting martin i think you watched on rev pros on demand service and i did joe and yeah joe and jp you were there live um but i mean before we get into the meat of the show um what we liked what we didn't and the big stories how was it as a, a live experience being both back at york hall and back at walthamstow after the the hot summer day all four of us spent there for the for the jacob Oh, it was considerably better than um, that, you know, day at Walthamstow in the summer, which, mm. God, I, I still have nightmares about. Um, in terms of the heat. In terms of the I heat. I had a cracking day. Oh, we all, day. We all met up and had a couple of nice drinks as well beforehand, but it was... <laughs> the facilities weren't especially great on that day, and there was a real improvement. There were two bars this time. Yep. And also, to be honest, I think the fact it didn't sell out probably made it that little bit uh, sort of easier um, to use the facilities within the actual building um yeah. but yeah i did think that was an interesting note it didn't sell out this time around because that show in the summer at Walthamstow was absolutely rammed if i remember rightly mm. yep yeah there, there was a real um it was interesting to see that that i mean the york hall one did the usual york hall numbers about 1100 or it, so it looked sold out to me yeah it did and they don't tend to sell up on the balconies right at the back near the entrance ways anyway over on that side so they would so they and it was it was very much, I mean, I'd say of the two nights, the night one certainly felt better from a live perspective. Um, 
yeah, not, although I do really like that venue in Walthamstow, I think it's absolutely lovely and it's, and it's a lot more relaxed than the, than the York Hall one where, you know, you're, you're being basically strip searched as soon as you walk in. In this one, it was nice and relaxed. I was able to take my son out during the break because he wasn't feeling all that great. So it was like the other one saved it for Joe's car on the way back. Um, he threw up all over my car. <laughs> he didn't even apologise as well. Just fell asleep on me after that. Um, so, yeah, that, that was really uh, um, sort of noticeable um, sort of things about it live. It was just interesting that it, that it didn't sell out. And for considering who's involved, that that really felt quite surprising to me. A lot of it's got to be down to the night um, that these shows are starting to take place. Running on a Thursday and a Friday, I mean, it was never in consideration for me to make a trip down. And I I would have definitely been tempted by some of the matches on these cars. I mean, did did that play into yourself not going down, Martin? I know you tried to, to get down to the big Rev Pro shows. Yeah, because I'd already bought tickets to the December show, and um, I, you know, obviously coming up to Christmas, I wanted to save um, money for you know doing other non-wrestling things. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I couldn't really make it down for these. And like you say, on a Thursday and a Friday night, it's difficult to get time off work and things, isn't it? So uh, yeah, it's, it's weird with that one because. Yeah, Andy Quillman always says he wants your call for the weekends, but it always seems to be booked up, and it's like, other than the big boxing events, I don't quite know what they put on there on the weekend. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it, it doesn't play to a, a travelling crowd like us. And Even it, it, living I, reasonably close, it is hmm. like, I am absolutely knackered still now, I think, <laughs> from going up after work, getting to bed really late, having to go back into work on the Friday. Dealing with rush hour in London. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I sound like I'm really moaning it, but I feel like I'm still recovering now from it, to be honest with you. It's kind of messed, sort of messed, you know, my sleeping pattern up a little bit and all the rest of it. It was worth it, I'll say that. I had a great time and really enjoyed the shows. But yeah, the timing of it isn't ideal on the weeknights. That's two years in a row that they've done these shows, Thursday and Friday now. And the Friday last year didn't sell out at Walthamstow either. But I'm pretty sure the Thursday did sell out last year as well. Mm. So it seems like your call does sort of sell out on reputation and kind of venue and familiarity to fans. And it is that little bit more central and easier to get to than um, Walthamstow is. So I don't know if that's the key reason for that. I do know they tried to get York Hall two nights in a row, but it was booked up on the Friday night as well, apparently, which is why they ended up going back to Walthamstow. That's interesting. I mean, there's definitely a, a difference as well in the presentation when it, it's the two nights. I mean, like getting into the show, I mean, night one that did take place from York Hall, and the shows do feel a bit more special coming from York Hall, but talking about uh, this night one show, we have to start at the, the most important point and the, what I thought was the, the biggest match and potentially the match of the weekend. The match everyone was talking about, Keith Lee and Tomohiro Ishii. Um, the match that probably should have been the main event on night one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, how was that live in the building to, oh, to be there for that one? I was very, very jealous. Incredible. I was like, trying to think of a match. The, the, it was one of the best matches I've ever seen at York Hall. Yeah. One of the best matches I've ever seen live. Um, yeah, absolutely absolutely incredible sort of i was really looking forward to that more than any other match on the weekend what's a weekend week days um Mm -hmm. and yeah really kind of lived up to the billing um i don't know what jp thought about it oh it was absolutely it was one of those matches that you see at the york hall where everyone is on their feet throughout it Mm. um i did see some of it on the vod and i have to say there was it, it doesn't really do it the justice because they don't use the hard camera as much so there's these Times when um, Keith Lee has him up for the powerbomb, and it's in, it, 
seemed to be the highest. Oh, that power bomb! Yeah, the, the highest. Some, up, yeah, the spirit bomb when he had him up that high, it was incredible. Um, and a couple of times he sort of threw him about. And Ishii's one of the New Japan guys who seems to be around the UK most, and he has a really hard following. It makes me often wonder whether or not there's a Rev Pro title reign in in his future because he'd be kind of perfect to give that title to. I mean, they had it had it on Shibata before um but that was just the the absolute seeing it live was mm. insane and it, it completely blew away well it everything else was you know really good on there but this was the one that really stood out keith lee's been so impressive this year oh He's been yeah one of the breakout kind of stars of the year and i think this was his, i think this is his best match personally i've seen a lot of keith lee this year but i've not seen anything that i would put on, on the level of this one, to be honest with you, I thought that it was quite different from your usual Keith Lee match as well. Yeah. Like quite often I find that guys are wrestling Keith Lee's match, whereas here Keith Lee was certainly wrestling Ishii's match. Yeah. And it, there was, it was a slightly different sort of take as well. Like, well, there were like sort of two moments where he left his feet throughout the match. Yeah. And they were sort mm-hmm. of really impactful. They had real meaning. They were worked into the match really nicely. The timing. Just... Sorry, Benno. Yeah, the place just exploded, didn't it? What you say about the timing and the moves and the reaction when you know Ishii had been going for a suplex for a little while, finally hit it. Yeah, the place exploded. Oh, incredible, absolutely. That's incredible. wrestling, isn't it? It was just. I mean, there's a big size difference between the two guys. It's obvious when you look at them stood next to each other. I didn't really realize how small Ishii was until that hero match last yeah. year. Um, but he really plays it well, doesn't he? Is selling and bumping's just out of this world. I think I forget just how good he is at times. If I'm honest mm. with you. He's, he's the year he's had. He's got to be one of the, the one of the absolute best years of anyone in the world this year. If you take out Okada, does he is he second? What are you talking about Keith, in terms of Keith Lee? No, uh, Ishii. In terms of like in New Japan terms, is he second behind only Okada this year for the for this year for for some of the the performer of the year in New Japan? Mm-hmm. I mean, there'd be an argument for that. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, it was absolutely, I mean, look, thinking back on it now, it was the last time I think I'd seen a reaction, at a, I'm trying to think the last time I'd seen a reaction like that at a Red Pro match. Uh, for your call, I'd say it was probably the Hero Ishii match. Yeah, Hero Ishii. Huge reactions. Yeah. And then before that, it would probably have been the Marty Osprey match. People yeah. were getting pretty mad during the Elite um, match last year when they were over. But, but that was a standard Elite. reasons for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me kind of watched it thinking I mean I loved it match of the year candidate definitely I do think sometimes though and I, mean, I don't know what your take is on it Martin sometimes with Rev Pro they deliver these great dream matches but I kind of found myself watching it thinking I wish they were fighting for something I wish this was like yeah. I don't know I don't know whether I wanted the storyline or I wanted it to be a number one contenders match but just something hit me when they're trying to kill each other and Ishii's you know refusing to die doing his big move kickouts like yeah. nobody else does and Lee's going to drastic measures to try and beat him with this moonsault and it's all for the match isn't it I mean does that ever affect your enjoyment Martin in a match like this or I mean this is what Rev Pro deliver isn't it uh, big dream matches like this well, it is a weird one, isn't it? Because um, 
if it was any other promotion, you might have an issue with it because Red Pro is kind of their, uh, you know, thing that they do. And then they do the sort of story, like more storyline based up on the cockpit. And then, you know, some of that seeps into uh, the Your Call shows. But it's mainly those big dream matches. I, I don't I don't really mind. I just want to see, you know, you want to see these guys face off against mm-hmm. each other. And uh, I think people do get as invested in, in the matches as they would if there was something on the line. Because, you know, as you noted, watching it on the VOD, those, uh, you know, pops that you know, these two guys got for uh, all the big moves, you know, where it was incredible. And it just made me really wish I'd been there for it. Well, I mean, on night one as well, the, the other big match, we talk about dream matches. I mean, a match that you might not have expected to see, uh, Naito uh, and, and Marty Skrull. Uh, this was kind of, I suppose I would call it the second biggest match of the night. It was a yeah. big, it was a character match, wasn't it? It was... There's kind of how far Marty's come. I remember, you know, his, his match with Nakamura two years ago at the, the Global Wars weekend. Uh, just how far he's came. Um, size difference not a factor in this match. Uh, it's interesting Marty being a junior and, you know, Naito's supposed to be a heavyweight in, J- in Japan. Uh, again, I mean, how did the, the match come across in the build? And while I felt there was a lot of character there, it, it maybe wasn't the match that I was expecting it to be. No, I think um, I enjoyed it. But I thought both guys had a much better match in them. Um, it seemed like they were taking it easy a little bit. You could yeah, have... they were holding back. Yeah, I think Marty has got to a point where he's got so much goodwill from fans that he's kind of really picking and choosing his spots. And here he wasn't picking his spots. He was sort of, I don't want to say taking a night off, but I don't think he was working his ass off so much. Mm. Um, and I same for Naito, really, as well. Um, it was a good match. It was a fun match. But it was uh, there was quite a lot of shtick in the match, I thought. Yeah. Uh, they can kind of get away with that at this point, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think if it was kind of a big main event, you know, if Marty's having to step up to heavyweight and it was to take place in New Japan, I think they'd probably be having a, a much better, higher-level match, to be honest with you. It was a good match to put on before the interval. Um, in the sense of the way that it, it worked, that the, the, the crowd were, were heavily involved, but it didn't burn you out. Um, cause it, it really did feel like they were holding, they were holding back. And I don't know, let's say holding back for the dome, cause that's not, you know, still got another near couple of months, um, mm. for that, but it did feel like they were, they were holding back. Naito was Naito and Marty was Marty. And everyone seemed happy with, with that arrangement. In a way. So it's not like there was disappointment. I kind of suspected that this wouldn't be, I just had this feeling that it wouldn't be the blow away that I'd maybe I thought it was, but then I kind of didn't blame them for that either because I thought this is something they can build to. You know, it might take, you'll take two years and Marty being pushed up to heavyweight, but whether or not it ties into some LIJ bullet club style scenario, I, like, you know, maybe yeah. then at that point they'll have something better between them. I mean, does it hurt Marty at all? I mean, Martin, for him to be losing a match like this, uh, it is, it's, it's Tatsuya Naito, so, I mean, that's a huge star there. Um, does it hurt him at all in his home promotion where he's kind of one of the top guys to be losing a match like this or leading to our, you know, our previous point there? Does it really matter? Um, well, one, I don't think it matters that much. I don't think anyone's going to think less of uh, Marty Skill for uh, losing to one of the best wrestlers in the world, the guy who's won mm. the G1 Climax this year, you know mm. what I mean? I don't think uh, there's any shame in doing that. And plus, I think Red Pro is the only way we are going to see this match, aren't we? I mean, obviously, Naito's a heavyweight and Marty's a junior, so I don't think those two are going to be facing off in New Japan anytime soon, are they? 
No, no, especially, I mean, they're very, like we were just saying, they're very strict, aren't they, about the uh, the rules with the heavyweights and the juniors not mixing. So There is one potential I mean, it, match they could have. Don't they have it on their anniversary show? That they like to have oh, the, the, junior, the junior heavy, yeah. the junior champion versus the heavyweight champion. Yeah. I don't know if they're doing it. They, 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 did, they did a Carter versus Tiger last W last year. And that, I remember they had a card of... But traditionally, Devitt. they do it on that show in, like, the February, is it, each year? I think, yeah, because they did yeah. a card of Devitt. They did Tanahashi Devitt one year. They did a card of Ibushi one year. So, yeah, in that situation, yeah, could happen. Indeed. I mean, while we're, we're talking the big hitters, then we might as well talk the, the big hitters of night two as well. We'll get to the other stuff on the card, but the big one from night two is a match I know you really enjoy, Martin. Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, we've just talked about matches with imports. This is a match between two huge uh, British wrestlers um, and a good contender, I would say, for, for match of the weekend as well. How did you uh, think it lined up with the aforementioned uh, Ishii Keith Lee match? Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it was a completely different type of match to uh, Ishii and Keith Lee. But for me, this jumped straight into my top five matches of the year. I thought it was absolutely incredible. There were a lot of uh, nods to their previous matches they've had in Red Pro. And just mm. some of the uh, transitions between things that they were doing. And obviously, Zach does all, you know, these different kinds of, like, submission moves. And then Osprey sort of flipping out of them. And it was just absolutely fantastic. And I know... Uh, some people are saying it wasn't quite as good as uh, the Marty and Will Ospreay match, but for me, I thought it definitely was. A, you know, I was jumping off my sofa at points, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, and it really got me hyped up for uh, seeing Matt Riddle and uh, Zach at the next Red Pro show. Yeah, I think live this match was uh, it was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I was I was absolutely knackered on Friday after the Thursday night and then a couple of long drives and a day at work and all the rest of it afterwards. But this match, I was into this from the start to the finish. Um, And it's interesting, Martin spoke about their other matches there because um, I was, I think I was at the cockpit match there previously and I was sure Osprey was winning this. And I said to my brother, oh, it'd be amazing if Zach goes to put on the move that Zach finished this match with. I don't know what you'd call it, where he basically stretches his arms and sits at his head. And he hmm. won with that at the cockpit previously. And I said to my brother, it'd be awesome if Osprey found a way out of that and they played off of that. And he ended up winning the match with that as well, which I was shocked at because I was absolutely sure Osprey was winning. But I like the long-term story they're really building here with him using that move again to beat him. And it's kind of like that one move that Osprey just can't escape. He can't find a reversal from. And one of the things I thought was great was the reversals and the awareness of signature spots from both guys as well. But there was so much where you got like a little bit of a reversal or some retaliation or some counter-wrestling hold to stuff that they both know that one another is going to do and they sort of channeled it beforehand. And I thought that played into the overall story so well throughout the match. And that was what popped the fans at times um, mm. and really popped me big. There's a great moment where Osprey, if it was going to flip to the outside, and Zach just kicks his head as Zach's outside the ring. Yeah, oh, that was Absolutely awesome. crazy for, like, in the building. And, yeah, as someone who was knackered and yeah. <laughs> very quiet throughout the show... Uh, yeah, I was popping big time during this. Well, I was thinking about my kids during it, who were also completely exhausted by that point. And for that main event, they were stood up. They were that—that that was the match that really got them off their feet for, for, um, for the second half of the show. And I think there was was it reported there was only two dives from. I haven't seen it back yeah, yet, yeah, Japan, yeah, but yeah. there's only two dives throughout it. So you're you're seeing this 
sort of evolution of Will Ospreay um, working working differently, showing how much of an all-rounder he is. And it almost seems like the criticism that people have about him, oh, he can't do this or he can't sell. It's like, actually, he then goes and does it and mm. proves how brilliant he is. They've had a lot of matches together before, and yeah. this was the absolute best of those matches yeah. that they've had together. And I think I think Osprey is such a well-rounded wrestler at this point, and he's put so much character into his actual persona now, and he's grown character-wise, that it actually works better, and it feels like Osprey is at Zack's level at this point, whereas, mm. say, previously when he faced him in, say, the Super Strong style in progress in the final, I can't remember what year that was, um, you felt, even though Osprey won, he was that little sort of notch below Zack in terms of kind of, his actual all-rounded kind of ring work on the rest of it, whereas now it feels like, you know, they're sort of level pegging, and in story-wise, it feels like the next natural step is to do another match with these guys at some point down the road and have Osprey pick up that sort of big win. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the match was, I mean, as you said, you've summed it up really well there. It was, as much as I've loved the previous matches as well, I love the Evolve match they had WrestleMania weekend last oh, year. Oh, awesome. Uh, incredible but this was just a level above but they played into that history didn't they it was a lot of the match was Zack Sabre count you mentioned JP Osprey not doing too many dives it was mm. because Zack Sabre was countering all of Osprey's yeah. stuff all the usual stuff that works for Osprey the cheeky Nando stuff and all all the different you know even the pose um when he flips into the ropes and, and drops back and like you said Zack Sabre just coming in and kicking him in the head it was just it, it was just a, an extra level to the match with the with the history between the two men um and yeah, I think I'm with you, Martin. I think it's it's going to be up there in my top matches of the year, and it's already a stacked year. And sadly, I would probably say a lot of, maybe not sadly, but a lot of the big matches this year for me, my favourite matches have been matches involving uh, import wrestlers, American wrestlers. Um, and it's kind of nice, isn't it, that this was a, a match between two Brits um, who were big, who were imports in a way, were imports abroad, or they're exports now, aren't they, uh, Osprey and Zack Sabre? Well, I think this was the best match I've seen between two. Brits in the UK this year. I don't know if it was as good as Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate at the NXT show, in my opinion, but in the UK, I can't think of a better match between two Brits this year, personally. No, no, definitely not. And as Martin said, he was cheering in his living room. I was watching this one at two in the morning. I was still up uh, the night before last, and I found myself cheering. My girlfriend came in and told me to shut up. It was two in the morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know you're excited you're into a match. But hey-ho. Uh, moving on then, uh, elsewhere on day two, the other big match that I was probably a big reason that I wanted to make the trip, Minoru Suzuki and Matt Riddle. Yes. It was a big match. This was the one I was sad they didn't make it down for. I'm not so sure on execution, though. Uh, I don't know whether it was the interference that marred it. Um, I don't know. I mean, in the building was, as soon as you see, I mean, I loved El Desperado, I loved Espy, but when he, when he comes out, uh, with Suzuki and when he starts interfering in the match, you get that, that sinking feeling, don't you, of, yes. uh, of the Suzuki gun matches that we've all seen, uh, maybe far too many of. Yeah, there was that feeling, I think, within the crowd that, that when when Despy came out, you thought, oh, I, I, yeah, like you, I like him. And, it, and it, the match he had with Riddle on the first night was was really good. It was, it was a slow build, I thought, but it, it kind of, the crowd got really into it towards the end. And we're kind of reminded by the fact that Desperado is really good when they leave the Suzuki gun bullshit alone. Um, mm. But unfortunately, that came back for this one. And that is a disappointment to see any big match involving an import who's been, who is, you know, of Suzuki's stature being treated. I mean, he did do the what culture, is it 
I want to say nothing to lose show or was it in, in Newcastle that he'd done before where the crowds didn't know who he was refused yeah, to the, lose the, I think refused to lose <clears throat> that's it yeah and they didn't know who he was but here obviously there were people singing along with Kazaninare and and you know getting that kind of really big ovation and clearly he was enthused by that crowd mm. by seeing by seeing everyone out but yeah like I say there was this feeling when he came out of like it, it deflated it, and I don't think it helps in the sense. Although I, I obviously don't have an issue with it because I'm as the biggest Riddle mark in the world that there is. But with um, you know having Riddle come out at the end challenging Zach, which is a match that I think would be great, it's not necessarily helpful that you've had him lose to Zach's boss um, mm. uh, earlier in that show. It's like uh, you know that kind of stuff doesn't help. Um, and at least it would have been better. It probably would have been more credible if there had been if he'd sort of taken Suzuki to the absolute limit, and Suzuki had used you know his kind of you know his street smarts to get around him. But, but they went down the Suzuki Gun Road, which appears think, to be the default decision. I, th- I think you've really hit on why it probably is the fact that they've they've got Matt Riddle in this position going forwards as being number one contender yeah. you're going to naturally want to protect him and Suzuki getting Chris Roberts in the way and allowing the, the Despi interference yeah. although Suzuki did kind of get a clean win there was a lot of interference that preceded it so you could forgive it I mean does it damper your I mean Martin you're going to be seeing the, the big uh, riddle Zack Sabre match live I mean firstly what did you make of this match and does that dampen your expectations going forward or is it I mean it's still Matt Riddle and Zack Sabre isn't it so he's always going to be over on the night and people are probably going to forget this loss aren't they quite quickly oh yeah definitely i don't think the loss you know to an absolute legend really really Again, is going to yeah. affect riddle um but i um i quite enjoyed this match i mean i know there was interference in it but um watching it on the vod it didn't really bother me that much and i did think um you know it was quite an enjoyable match in parts um when i first watched it i was like really really into it and then i thought about it after and i thought you know the interference did spoil it a bit but uh, as a as a match as a whole i i, I enjoyed it quite a lot yeah and i am looking forward to seeing riddle and zack sabre jr and yeah. it's interesting to see um i think red pro will be using suzuki gun a lot more next year i think because obviously they've announced him for the january show and then obviously the ties they've got with Zack, and they seem to be having, you know, Matt Riddle against the rest of Suzuki Gun. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what they do, what happens next year with Riddle and uh, Suzuki Gun. And they've got um, some of the New Japan talent for their WrestleMania show as well. So whether Suzuki joins uh, the New Japan talent going over to New Orleans, I don't know, but you could potentially see him there as well, which I'm sure would be a big attraction. Um, I was going to say as well on this one. I think my expectations were a little bit different. I thought it was going to be wrestled in a little bit more of a kind of pancreas kind of uh, shoot style, which it wasn't, um, which was fine. Um, but yeah, I think my expectations kind of let the match down for me. That's mm-hmm. my fault for having expectations going in. I was going to say, regarding Riddle coming back, have you seen Riddle's schedule um, around the York Hall show at all? No. So he's got a match with Tom Lawler in California on December, December. Then he's facing uh, Zach on the 8th of December at York Hall. But on the 9th, he's wrestling in New York for Evolve. So, like, his, I mean, he's got a match the night after that at another Evolve show. So his schedule is just insane. So he's flying in for one day after he finishes wrestling, I assume, at kind of 11 p.m. California time. He's got to get an 11-hour flight over here. So 
It just oh, the God. scheduling of it seems absolutely mental. So I don't know if he's flying into the UK for like five, six hours to wrestle Zach and then heading back to you know the East Coast uh, mm. to wrestle for Evolve. I know Zach's on those Evolve shows as well, but yeah, Rid- Riddle is going to be an absolute wreck, I imagine. But he is. I think though the way that he's wanting his career to go, and you know, I wouldn't rule out him appearing in New Japan just yet. Um, you know that there is that there is possibility of that. So I think Rev Pro becomes much more of a priority than it ever really has done for him. Because if that's still where he wants to get in, this is almost that back door. And it felt like the same with with Keith Lee as well. It's like these are their tryout matches of sorts, um, which is great. Yeah, it's, it's you know brilliant to witness. And I also just to come back to the to the um Riddle Suzuki I think the only the issue was if that had been the night before and Riddle Ishii had been in Walthamstow on the uh on the Friday we probably would have felt it's a bit more differently about um Suzuki Riddle but unfortunately it is kind of like it was hard not to compare those two matches in terms of that that kind of level of expectation and buzz and the fact that, it, by comparison with with Ishii and Lee, the Riddle Suzuki match didn't—I don't know—for me, didn't hit those heights. Mm. I still I mean, like just it, though. A, yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean on a on a stack weekend like this, I yeah. mean even the the matches that maybe didn't deliver, we're not calling them stinkers. I mean, just briefly going through the other th- uh, happenings of day two. I mean, yeah. Dave Mastiff and Tomohiro Ishii had a match, which again, it, it's not exactly—it wasn't a trop top draw match um but it was still another good match but again you've got to follow that the Ishii match from the previous night um I mean just quickly I mean Dave Mastiff is is he someone who who should still be in these positions it's something we've talked about before I mean there's just something maybe it's the fact that he's been around so long there's just maybe something not as special uh about seeing maybe a Mastiff against an Ishii uh he's not the cool new thing mm. but it did feel a little bit quieter in the building I mean what do you think of Mastiff's place in, in Brit Res uh, these days in 2017 well i the thing i would say about it is when mastiff was in control of the match for me that's when things started to really slow down and the crowd quieted down um he's i i like dave mastiff um Mm. there is a role for him it's just not this particular role on this particular card it would be better off in a sense of i'm not saying rebuilding his character but go down the route. It's good seeing him on cockpit shows. Um, oh, I haven't liked one of those cockpit shows. I'll be honest. I found mm. his matches really dull this year. That one he had with Dijak and Dijak has had some killer matches. Oh yeah. Up to the cockpit. I don't know. I found it really kind of plodded along. I, they were trying to obviously get Mastiff over for these bigger matches that he had down the line with Keith Lee and with Ishii here. I don't know. With Mastiff for me, I thought actually fine. You look at him and you go, ah, oh, he'll. Uh, but, but I honestly think he's best as a babyface. He's actually got quite a lot of kind of babyface charisma when he does wrestle as a babyface. Yeah. And he can do like sort of fast paced stuff quite well. He's quite agile. And I often find the most I've ever got into his matches is when he's been wrestling as a face. And at this point, I wonder whether mid-card comedy is his kind of strongest suit, to be honest, rather than this kind of serious, gruff, intense heel because there are a million other people who are better at doing that. It worked for Shaw Samuels, didn't it? Well, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you look at Shaw now, and Shaw's got a steady place in ICW, where I'm sure he's earning decent money. Uh, He's 
you know, a rep, he wasn't on these Rev Pro shows, but he's got a regular gig in Rev Pro doing it as well. But it seems like progress has stopped using Massive as well, doesn't it? So yeah. I don't know. Massive seems a little bit lost at sea at the moment. He doesn't seem to have a regular place in any of the bigger promotions. So, yeah, I don't really know what his future holds at the moment. Mm. What about yourself? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's just somebody, again, I think he's just been a lot around so long that... I just don't think, I mean, again, at this stage in his career, he's not going to be top drawer. He's not going to be, he's not getting older, but he's older than, you know, some of the, the current stars. And again, like I mentioned, he, he's not the, the cool new thing. I don't think his look helps either. I'm not a big fan of him in that singlet. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what it is. Singlet. I don't know what yeah. it is. It screams end of career, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> I'm not too sure, but, uh, yeah. I mean, speaking of, I mean, again, just, uh, as a whole of a weekend, Zach Gibson was another one who had an interesting weekend. He could probably, obviously, I mean, it's Zach Gibson, so the two best promos of the weekend, one telling Yano that uh, Grado looks different, and two telling, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, before the Eugene Agata match, talking about the fans in the crowd in their black Bullet Club uh, t-shirts, thinking that Wrestle Kingdom was a Super Mario level. Um, he certainly delivered <laughs> the two promos, um, but again, in the two matches, I mean, I don't want to harp on about, I mean, these are big New Japan legends, so it's understandable that Zach Gibson's going to lose to a Eugene Agata. Um, not so much sure on him losing to losing to Yano. Yeah. What do you think about Zach Gibson's booking um, in Rev Pro? Uh, and, I didn't think um, this was, been doing with him. I thought this was really annoying actually because I expected oh he'll probably lose to Gata he'll get a win against Yano the next night he lost to Nagata he didn't win against Yano the next night because the way he lost to Nagata as yeah. well I didn't really feel like he was it, I don't know he wasn't competitive. Lost on a sort of backdrop driver type move into a into a. Uh, pinfall and it was kind of like oh okay that was it and it wasn't a bad match up to that point either I was quite into it and but it just felt like it was missing kind of four or five minutes at the end of it where it'd be that little bit more competitive where Zach Gibson would at least get a near fall or two in there and Mm. wouldn't be made to look just like he was kind of easy pickings for Nagata well yeah and I think as well the way that Rev Pro had set him up pre this show where he he had an alliance with Bodum and a it, loose alliance, a very loose alliance. But there was there was an alliance that he was involved with Osprey in terms of Osprey losing it. Well, so it you kind like of they were really building an Osprey Gibson match. Didn't yeah, they? that seems to have gone away, and he's not mentioned Osprey in a while. So I don't know what they're doing with that. And it and it feels like I, I suppose we had a we've had a 2017 of Gibson kind of being in these placeholder roles, mm. but. You know, you're thinking to yourself, you know, this is someone who is so good. Why, you know, like, go with him. This is someone who you can, you know, pardon to use all the wrestling cliches, you can strap the rocket to him and, and he'll be able to go. But it, and it, it just feels disappointing that he, he was used in this, he was used in this way. I don't know whether or not having him against, say, a Rocky Romero might well have might yeah. well have helped on, on one of those shows. I mean, the, seeing him lose to Yana, I think we turned around and looked at each other and we looked quite cross because it was like, <laughs> he's better than this. Well, I think mm. it was good. I thought when they booked him in Yana, I thought, ah, oh, it's good use of Gibson. It's going to be funny. Two good comedy guys. Gibson's, you know, yeah. very diverse and can do the comedy stuff and he'll get a win at the end of it. Um, 
and I thought the booking against the guard, I thought it was going to be a good match. And it was a good match. It wasn't a bad match at all. But it was just the outcome, really, and how he came out of the weekend. So I think, yeah, they need to really sort of maybe rehab him on the next York Hall show, give him a big win against someone to kind of reestablish him, if anything. Um, because at one point, I assumed that they were going to give Osprey the belt here and they were going to go with Osprey Gibson. Um, at some point, but um, I don't know what is going on with that at this point. It's almost like Zach Gibson is too good at lots of different things, so the temptation mm. is to put him into these kind of um, almost, I don't want to say utility positions, because it's not necessarily that, but to put him into these different roles against these different opponents that you know he's going to get over against, you know he's going to get them over, and not go with him in that kind of prime position when you we know that he's good enough to you know make it in that position as well and it, yeah it's just a bit of a shame you could you see uh, gibson going into new japan i mean obviously he got that monster reaction didn't he when progress uh, did those shows in new york and boston and obviously william yeah. was well behind him and you know you, you must have thought wwe guys were like going wow this guy's getting this reaction in america as well as the uk but could you ever see uh gibson going the other way or maybe going to new japan because he's obviously wrestled uh you know two new japan guys over that past weekend You'd like, I mean, in terms of the, it's hard to see how he would fit in, Martin, I suppose, mm. is, is how he fits into the company. A kind of almost a better fit, which is New Japan related. I say, you know, if, you know, Ring of Honor needed a, a talent upgrade for, for a while, I think in, in some areas to see him in the, on the, and it's not going to happen, but to see him in the US at say the show they have in March would be, would be nice seeing him work a few weeks out in the US before Mania weekend. That would be, I mean, that's dream booking, fantasy booking scenario, really. But it, it it's just that the, the problem is there are so many Westerners in, yeah. in New Japan that how, and that promo, as much as I'd love to see it at Kurokun, <laughs> it would be hilarious. I don't know how it would go over. He'll be, be the translator, won't he? I mean, yeah. I mean, it kind of ties into, you know, as we wrap up my, my other point. I mean, I was going to talk about Josh Bodum as well as someone who I thought, could he make a name for himself in, in New Japan? He lost the Cruiserweight belt on this weekend, mm. but he did have a, you know, a, a really decent match with Rocky Romero, I think books the foreign talent i mean is yeah. he somebody that that's got a chance to know martin you've been a fan of bodum in the past yeah definitely and i think he now he he's seemingly sorted out his uh you know quote-unquote backstage issues whatever they might have been but um yeah he seems he's had a you know a, he's had a he's had a pretty good year in the ring i think i think he's yeah. uh put on decent matches uh all over red pro and um he had a really good match in in orlando that sort of live so um yeah i think it's um I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bodum next year. I think it'll be more, you know, just competing for Red Pro and sort of building up his profile a bit more. It absolutely baffles me that he's not been booked in more prominent um, companies this year in the UK. It just seems like he's got Red Pro and he works a lot of other little indie promotions around the South. And I think that a lot of promotions are really missing a trick of him because he really is that good. He must have mm. killed someone backstage or something. <laughs> like, he, he seriously. Must have been really bad. Jeez, whatever it was, it must have been hideous. Well, Briley's reaction to him on that Facebook, Progress Facebook group a few times has been sort of like, yeah. absolutely not. You know, he's come out and spoken yeah. out against him. I don't know what that, what Bowden must have done, <laughs> but. Jeez. Well, I think. 
as we've said though, the fact that he apparently is a prick sometimes in real life, or at least he was, it works for his matches. It, in his match with Rocky Romero here, that's what got me thinking. It kind of, him being a prick brought out the stiffer side of Rocky Romero, the more serious side of Romero. <laughs> Bowden was even bleeding at one point in the match. It was just, yeah, I mean, he's someone, yeah, I could see him just getting battered by a Minoru Suzuki and people just lapping it up as he does it, but uh, I guess we'll see. Um, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, up for, up for a bit of that. Before we close, then any other notes from the from the two nights of Rev Pro? Any other highlights that stick out? Um, nothing that I can think of on top of my head. Just a lot of nice matches. Uh, two matches that I think were really sort of over the top and really great. Um, but overall, two really enjoyable shows. Um, a week, well, I say a weekend. Two weekdays that I hope uh, remain, but maybe on a weekend next year, just to make it a little bit easier. Um, and a relationship with New Japan that just seems to, you know, be developing and seems to, you know, do a lot of favours for Rev Pro. I do hope as we go on that we won't get as many New Japan talents having to go over on the Rev Pro talents, though. That was one of the only annoying things the weekend. Oh, one thing I was going to note is how little attention a lot of the New Japan guys were getting when they were selling merch. Like, it was <laughs> weird seeing... I went out into the foyer at one point and Goto, Ghetto... Yoshihashi and Bushi were just stood around a table, like not doing a lot, and everyone was just sort of walking past them, ignoring them. It's very odd, but no one's just no one seemed interested in them. That is strange. A fair whack for those masks. Maybe that's what it is, indeed. Well, I mean, I think that, like you said, the relationship between the two companies continues to bear fruit. The fact that I was able to watch this show on my New Japan World subscription says everything. Uh, For some reason, only Ryan Smile and Matt Riddle had their music dubbed on New Japan World. I don't know what that's about, Uh, but they had everything else there, and it was as as is on the Rev Pro on demand service. I was going to say on Ryan Smile. Did you uh, did either you guys notice him crying after he won the belt? Watching it on the VOD. No, no. no. <laughs> Big moment like he though. Was crying to to me, he looked really emotional after he after he won the belt. But I, I didn't know whether it was the position I was stood in or or what. But he really wasn't that over when he won it. But then he was in tears. It looked to me anyway. Well, on that note, <laughs> a Rev Pro weekender that we, we all enjoyed, um, both on VOD and watching live. Uh, so there's only one last thing to do before we go, and that's plugs. Uh, Martin, you're the guest, so I'll let you go first. Uh, where can people find you on the internet at the moment? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bushby01. And um, yeah, there's... Um, Stuff coming soon in concerns to uh, British Audio Wrestling, but uh, nothing's happening at the moment. But it, it will be doing. It'll just take time. <laughs> so if you want to find out the latest on that, then uh, yeah, follow me at Bushby Zero One. And also something that I never plug. I've got a YouTube channel that's full of interviews that I've done um, over the years. Um, there's an interview with Okada on there, uh, Dakota Kai when she was Evie, Nixon Newell, and uh, a variety of other people. Mark Askin, some really interesting interviews on there. Yeah, so uh, I think it's uh, youtube.com slash Martin Bushby. So uh, yeah, be sure to check those ones out. You can find me on Twitter, not nearly as exciting as mine, and I've got a YouTube channel, <laughs> um, at JPJP, so JPJIP, three E's. And you can find me at Lemsip for Peas. 
You can find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. And yeah, I've got nothing to plug. So yeah, go check out Martin's YouTube videos. There's some <laughs> yeah. Great stuff in there. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks then. I'm heading to Progress in Sheffield. Uh, Joe and JP, you're heading to the old, the new what culture, I believe, Defiant Wrestling. I've got to get the time yeah. off work in order oh, to okay. do it. So we're going to see how that one works but, out. Yeah. I'll propose that in the next couple of days. So. And then Fair we're enough. doing Fight Club Pro on the first of course on, on, on the third then there's the eighth where we'll 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 see you mine um Indeed. for the for the uprising show and then there's ipw actually yes. milton keynes and i think the 14th or the 15th yep. that we were going to do as well um oh. check out their new shows and the new ownership as well never doing monthly shows in milton keynes so certainly interested to see what their product's like now Mm-hmm. Is that the yeah. show with Austin, Austin Aries? On? Yeah, yeah. I think oh, Moose. Cool. Is it Moose? No, Pete Dunn, Moose, and Austin Aries is on the show as well. Cool. I mean, if we've learned anything from the show, we're talking about Moose and Jordan Devil and their match. It was obviously Moose that was carrying it, so yeah, yeah I'm sure that'll be. That'll, Mate, that'll be WWE versus TNA. That's why I'm wow. there. Very impressive. Well, Moose we'll be talking. <laughs> we'll be talking all of that stuff on our next show, so we'll catch you again soon. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. You, you're at a half seven deadline, aren't you, Martin? Uh, yeah, ideally. I mean, I can go longer than that, but ideally, I haven't like, had my TR out yet. So, oh, right, well, we'll get you off. Two hours. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I don't mean to be a diva. It's <laughs> <laughs> Martin Bush. Like yeah. Oh. Uh, usually around six o'clock. Yeah, okay. Good time. <laughs> is Good that time. okay, Joe? Is that, is that fine? Is that fine? <laughs> I, I, that's weird. That's weird. Northerners up here about six o'clock dinner time. It's usually about seven. Well, <laughs> My dad likes his on the table at five thirty-five, but if it's not there, there, he's not. He's still he's still in that neighbours mode where neighbours would start at five thirty-five on BBC One, and he got used to over the years. I think it does oh. again on Channel Five now, actually. Five thirty. That's not right. But he never it? made the jump from BBC One to Channel Five. Once it went, he couldn't deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Too much for him to process, was it? Yeah. I think they had a break though. To be fair to your dad, I think they had like a long break before Channel Five uh, chucked some money into it. I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. I was a loyal BBC One viewer and neighbours from birth. But yeah. <laughs> How's How's the away, you guys? Guys?